All righty, Sports Government Return episode here uh, after a long, long break with, um, you know, pandemics and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, me and Vince on this one, just um, real casual, long chat about, uh, we talk a bit about the kind of our experiences with uh, watching sports in these crazy new normal times and um, talk a bit about college football and, and college sports and a little bit about the uh, about the NFL and um, a little bit about um, the NBA with the James Harden trade right there at the end as well. But yeah, we recorded this immediately after the NFL playoffs. So yeah, the first hour, hour and 10 is probably about, um, probably just a general chat about both our experiences of sports and the pandemic and and college sports, and then and, um, up until about two-hour mark is um, NFL stuff, and then just right at the end there is um, some NBA chat with the Hutton trade. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a long one, but it's a good one. So let's get into it. Oh, one more thing. Uh, there is a brief break at about the 18-minute mark where the disc overloaded for some reason and, and stopped me being able to record. But then uh, we started recording with brief brief break, and then it's, it's, all, it's all gravy from then on. So now let's get into it. Gasmic podcast back after a long break from recording because I guess we didn't have sports for a while and we <laughs> 2020 was yeah. it was it was a it was a ride so yeah yeah it <laughs> went from no sports to holy shit we have all the sports at once yeah. <laughs> what do we do what do I do with my hands <laughs> yeah um, but then yeah you didn't even the sports was so different and we I think a lot of us were just we've been waiting for it to i mean i don't know i i don't know how i didn't know how to compartmentalize watching sports in 2020 in my head when it came back from i mean the last time we did one of these podcasts we were talking about what it's going to look like when it got back and then it's actually a lot of our predictions were kind of true that we were going to see sports without um i listened re-listened to a bit of it uh, recently of what we were talking about and it was sports without fans and um you know bubble <laughs> bubbles and things like that and um it's a little bit of a mixture of both, depending on where you are in the world at the moment. But uh, yeah, um, for a while, I didn't know how to talk about sports because it was just, and it was stressful and stuff. But I think we've all kind of fallen into this rhythm of the new normal. And I was, I don't know, you and I have talked about how much of a an escape sports still is, especially in this um, this crazy last year that we've had. So it's, it's good to get back and talk about it on the, on the podcast again. I know we've wanted to get back to it for a while, so... Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. good to good to be good to be chatting again, and and yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. It's it's been weird to to get back to sports. When they first came back, it was it was different. Obviously, you had little tournaments or bubble playoffs or whatever, and uh, no fans, obviously. Which you know, I think it's taken a lot of people a lot of time. And and sports still, of course, they're back. Like NBA's back, NHL's back now for their, you know second i guess COVID season if you will mm. at this point um ratings show it here too and i think you know depending who you ask people will debate why ratings are down but i think anybody intelligent understands that you know people are not in routines like they used to be you know not just the sports themselves the scheduling and all that stuff but people's habits have changed i think some people can't or don't can't quite get into the no fans because there is a different atmosphere. There's a different energy. 
uh, I still enjoy it. I still find them to be an escape, especially when, when my team or a team I have a rooting interest for is involved. But uh, I, I think it'll take a while. I think full, full stadiums, however long that is away, will, will be helpful. But I think it's going to take a while for sports to really feel like they used to. And, and for various reasons, there's, you know, like you already touched on, there's bigger things going on. And mm. uh, so it's, it's been interesting has sports returned to see the consumption of it and uh, how it's kind of lacked in some areas, but been, been high in other areas. It's just been interesting. I know myself, I've enjoyed it, but it still has never quite felt the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I've seen it a fair bit is like some people when they're watching, um, just, you know, random comments on Twitter from people I follow or just that pop up in my timeline is people do say that sports for them is something that, uh, the, the spectacle of it on TV, but the fans are a part of it for them to enjoy the experience. And while they're still fans, like some people just don't, what can't enjoy sports the same way when the fans aren't in there. Cause it does make, a, it does make the sound of it, you know, the overall experience as a viewer, if you're looking at it as an entertainment product that makes it, makes it very different. So I think you and I are just, um, whether we've, you know, we've known each other for over 10 years now and we know each other as sports fans pretty well. I think we're both pretty similar in the fact that it's kind of like a, it is our ultimate drug that we just need it no matter how it's coming to us. So whether you, know, you can call like the full stadium experience between, uh, I mean, just comparing two stadium experiences that have happened about a year apart, you know, Liverpool, Manchester United last year at Anfield was the 2-0 with Salah scoring late and Allison ripping off his shirt. The stadium erupting, Allison running the full length of the field and it be, being the ultimate, you know, grade A, you know, the finest cocaine you could ever, money could ever buy. Whereas this morning, <laughs> this morning's experience was um, beyond the play on the field was just, you know, everything about it was... Uh, while you're still getting your hit because it's something, it's just not, it's not doing the same job. So, and, but you and I are the types that I think we will watch it no matter what, because we, we are, you know, as fans, we just want to watch our teams and we'll take it however we can get it. And we're just thankful for the fact that it can be happening, even though sometimes maybe, um, I mean, I won't get into too much of the, the moral, you know, the whether it should or it shouldn't happen, but we're just enjoying sports since it's there anyway. Um, we might as well watch it and enjoy our teams and, and and it does provide that escape from everything else going on, but yeah, it is it is um, a different experience, and and I think some teams around the world, depending on what sport you're looking at, have adjusted differently to it. I think um, again, I think uh, just to, I won't talk about Liverpool too much in this one because we'll get onto some other things uh, that are more. Uh, but I think Liverpool have struggled at times with the the difference in atmosphere because I think they're. they're um, entire philosophy with the Klopp has been such a symbiotic relationship with the, the fans and, and that energy is how is how Klopp works himself. Um, and then I think I talked to you about Dame's slow start to the season and for the Blazers, yeah. Blazers I thought he's a he's getting there. He's, he's, the last week or two he's been back to um, his numbers are looking pretty good but he just seemed to his body language seemed a bit off at the start and 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 you know college football is weird um you know, some some Definitely. some states allowed it, but you know, certainly you know, Oregon and the pack in the West was um you know empty stadiums, and it's just yeah, it, it is an energy thing. I think it's both both as us as fans and as well as the teams, different in different ways are feeling it. Um, I certainly saw when um here in that Port Adelaide when they had the finals, the atmosphere was what created it as well. So um, yeah, it's been an interesting interesting year of discovery for us as sports fans. We probably thought we'd seen it all. To see something I don't think I ever expected was, um, you know, the you know hundred thousand seater stadiums and fifty thousand seater stadiums empty because they have to be empty for health protocols. And but st sports still existing. It's um, 
it's a crazy, crazy sight to behold and something that, you know, there's going to be plenty of books written about it. Um, I mean, there'll be plenty of books written about it on the history of just the pandemic itself, but then the, you know, sports history books are going to have an interesting period of time here looking back on it whenever we can look back on it as a historical event um, rather than a present event. Um, yeah, it's been, yeah, I'm, I'm loving having sports to watch every day and, um, and sports that are happening in Australia at the moment are... Um, in a weird way in the new normal of having almost full crowds in, in some States and for events like cricket and basketball at the moment, but yeah, around the world, it's a bit different. Yeah. It's been wild. We're in the playoffs now for the NFL to see obviously pretty small crowds still like 6,000, I think in a couple, I don't know what the chiefs had today. It seemed like they had quite a bit, but. Uh, that looked like 50% to me just off the top of my head. It probably was less, but it just, that looked like a fair feel of the stadium, didn't it? it? It definitely was less than 50 because yeah. there were rows and rows empty across from people or separating people, but it just did. It felt like that stadium just so massive. It's, those overhead shots of that stadium are crazy. It's such yeah. a big place. So it just felt like a lot more, but I'm sure it was probably still around the same. I think six to ton of 10,000, but it has been interesting. I would say that's the one for me personally, the NFL has been the easiest to consume. I think I've consumed more NFL this year than probably the last two or three years combined. Mm. Because for me, being in Portland, Oregon, where we don't have a team, obviously, uh, and, and I have my teams, like I have Patriots and Bears that I really pull for, but they're removed. I've never been to a game of either of theirs. So it's, you know, you're so removed from, from it. It's different from like the Timbers or Ducks or Blazers where I have access. I can go all the time. You really become, it really becomes stitched into you and part of your makeup. Whereas, you know, these other sports that, don't have real any intimate connection with it's almost been easier mm. i think uh and the nfl game i think translates to tv like i didn't really notice i can't be honest other than some times where you could feel the energy not there mm. uh but but like the level of play felt pretty similar in the nfl this year i thought you know there were some games and weekends where teams were really uh, impacted by the virus and things so they couldn't feel the team maybe that they normally would have so those those kind of asterisk games aside if you will when teams were both there and healthy the nfl really felt pretty normal to me and watching on tv was how i consumed that league and sport anyways so mm -hmm. uh i really leaned into the nfl this year for sure college college was tough uh the ducks you know obviously oregon and and the pac-12 like you mentioned getting a late start and it was just a weird season you know i i can look back and you could spend a whole half hour debating whether they all college football, especially the Pac-12, should have even played. Uh, you know, part of me is very glad they did, but part of me is also like that wasn't worth it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it seemed like most of the kids wanted to and everything. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm not too stressed about that. But just, the, you know, all that kind of like you already said, that that all stuff aside, the should, shouldn't, they stuff is a whole other debate. But just the game, the product was weird. The COVID protocols and things were really hammering those teams, understandably. Mm -hmm. And um, it just made for a really on a really weird environment. And I think uh, first and foremost, I think college football, more than any sports sport here in America, at least, you know, NFL, clearly not NBA and NHL. The bubbles worked pretty well, I thought, and were pretty seamless. MLS was kind of weird, of course, but it still worked also. Mm -hmm. But Man, college football, the pageantry of the the fans, uh, the bands, the mascots, the cheerleaders, like 
I think previously before all this, you didn't realize how much with college football that really mattered. Uh, and it really does. Like it, it, even watching a game that I, in a normal year, I I could watch any college football game. I could sit on a Saturday and watch college football all day, from the crappy Big Big Ten games in the morning on the West Coast here, all the way to the crazy Pac-12 after dark. You could sit and watch mm-hmm. matchups that don't involve your team, and watch it all day. But this year it was just without. You know, I watch all the Ducks games, of course, but otherwise it's just it was tough to just sit down as a neutral fan and just be like, Oh, I'm going to watch, you know, Oklahoma, Iowa state tonight and just enjoy it. It just, it just didn't have that, that kind of pop, even though some of those states and conferences had had some fans. Um, It just wasn't the same. And I think, I think for me personally, that's the sport that suffered the most from a watchability standpoint, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree. There's um, not that I get to watch as much, but even like I watched, um, I think almost most Ducks games this year that I you know obviously some yeah. some fall in work hours for me, but yeah, just watching Ducks games was um a lot. I mean, I, I'm invested anyway as a Ducks fan, and um, especially this little era that we're entering um, on the field. But yeah, the home games were um, a weird experience because I'm so you know being both of us being alums, it's like it's a we have such fond memories of some of the big games we've been to, and and you you continue go, to go to, and watching that and knowing what it feels like to be there and knowing how much of an, uh, you know, we've, we've been part of some of those crowds and those big games. And I know you have, and especially in the um, 07, I don't know if some of those, uh, those big games against like the Oklahoma's and Michigan's and stuff like that. And then USC in 2009. And then, um, you know, that Stanford comeback in 2010 and like all those games that had the, the, the fans are such an iconic part of it and the sounds and the, and the, and that, kind of drives them and, and it just felt weird um watching it on tv to not see that and you because you, you, you kind of sit there and go there's, there's an ebb and flow to the game that the fans are very much a, a part of and mm-hmm. um yeah it did uh, the watchability suffered and i think the on-field stuff suffered too i don't um yeah. we can get to i mean you know the ducks were uh um you know there was a lot of freshmen in there and it was a very young lineup with the, a lot of the seniors we lost last year and but you know how how much does uh, is Tyler Shuck's experience starting, and we've and there's plenty to talk about what whether where the Ducks go with um, him. But um, I wonder if their starting experience has entirely altered their the, their traje- trajectory by starting this year, both with the, the f- missing the fans, but then beyond that, the the crazy preparation. You know, they didn't get a proper. Um, mm-hmm a proper intro to the season and, and the, the spring training and all that stuff. Cause all, you know, COVID started back in, I mean, the real lockdown started in March. So well, late February, March, I can't remember exactly when you guys started really getting locked down there. Mid March. Yeah. yeah. So a bit, just a week or two before us really. Um, but yeah, so their entire preparation and then, and then actually when they get to go play the games finally, then there's not even the experience that um, is the traditional college football experience. And I, and I, and I genuinely do believe in the power of the fans in the stadium. So um, both for and against you. So whether you could say it works against you uh, for you when you're going away and you don't have to worry about it. But, um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting experience both, I'm sure, for them on the field. But for us, just like you said, the watchability of it was had suffered greatly. Because um, the entire experience yep. of college game day as far as watching games all day is, is those – fans you know the the video of the teams arriving and getting braided boss opposition fans and you know the college game day mm-hmm. and all that stuff is um a big part of it yeah for sure and you nailed it with the kids like they're 
and that's just the thing. They're kids, and they didn't. A lot of these pro sports have been able to adapt relatively well. They have the money and the the payroll for for their actual employees to do their jobs uh, through all this kind of you know protocols and crazy things that they're they're having to deal with. Uh, but the kids, it's just so much harder. And and yeah, I can't imagine what it was like, especially for some freshmen to be trying to figure all this stuff out on the fly over zooms and over weird meetings. And it just, uh, it showed. And, and like, uh, you know, our, our good friend, friend of the pod, Jeff, uh, he, him and I talked a lot about that where we would go back and forth. Like, was this worth it? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's been, it was fun to have a few Saturdays in the fall to just for a few hours zone out and cheer on the ducks and kind of try to feel, feel like all was right in the world for even three or four hours. But, uh, he just kept hearkening back, back to that. You know, hey, that's it's experience for these young kids. They were youngest team, and so it was experience. But what that experience is worth, I think, is a good point you make there. That we'll see. I, you know, obviously, time will tell. But uh, and again, it's not like it's not like playing this year's in Maine's. They're it's going to do anything negative to their trajectory. It's just it's going to be so different if and when things are relatively normal this coming fall or whatnot that uh, it's going to look so different that it's going to feel like the freshman again all over again because it's yeah. so different so unique uh, to what they've already experienced in college so uh it uh yeah but hey we like we said we got sports we've crowned a bunch of champions over the last what six months or so in all all sports across the world and uh some good some bad yeah. some fun some 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 happy about some annoyed about uh but yeah it's 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 been wild huh yeah yeah i mean that's a great thing like i finally got to um experience what liverpool winning a, a title was like after you know 20 plus years of supporting and um yeah, yeah and then we got you know lebron got you know, it's it's, it's going to be weird our history looks back on it because we all look at you know there's there's the the cynical I guess trolley fans like to put an asterisk on whatever whatever it is because they say it's um you know it changed the the trajectory of it and for some reason some people think it made it easier. But I think actually all these championships were just harder to win um, mentally and I think there's a lot of been, been a lot of talk about some of the athletes that the mental toll this kind of stuff takes on their preparation for the games and um and I think when restart so there was a quite a slight hiccup. Hopefully that doesn't happen again, but um. Yeah, uh, going now going into a full season of uh, playing sports with COVID protocols, I think there's going to be a lot more fatigue with it. Um, you know, the bubble, the NBA bubble was just a, a crazy unique experience. And finishing off the English Premier League season was uh, just, it was it was almost done anyway. So it wasn't, it, I think a lot of people, it was just a bit of fun there. And then... Um, AFL down under was a kind of went back to relative normality for some teams and the Victorian teams uh, had to suffer, had to be away for months because of the outbreak down in Melbourne. But beyond that, you know, it was relatively, I went to, a, got to go to a few games, which I know when we last recorded a podcast, um, didn't seem possible at that time. We didn't even think we were going to get the rest of the AFL season, but um, yeah, I think this is the year that we're really going to start seeing the fatigue take its toll. Or, and, and I don't think it's, I think bodily fatigue for some because of the conge- congested seasons, um, particularly in some of the soccer leagues around the world. But I think it's the mental fatigue on players having to go through all this extra stuff just to play a sport. Um, yeah. And yes, they are in a position where they're getting paid for it and all that stuff. And it is privileged compared to some 
that are losing their jobs and livelihoods and homes and whatnot, depending on how their situations are with um, the help they're getting with COVID. But um, it is still tough. That's why I think it's actually a really interesting one. Um, the Australian Open at the moment. I don't know if you, are you guys getting the news about the players kind of. It's big news down here because it's in Australia, but. Um, I haven't seen much about it. I know they're having a quarantine and all that when they get there. Yeah, but. and then a lot of them aren't very happy about it. You know, Djokovic is um, li- releasing a list of demands that he wants. And, um, you know, and there is that. Who is Joker? Yeah, yeah, which he he, he, yeah. he didn't do himself any favors with his um, attitudes towards COVID as it was. But beyond him, because um, I see the side of it that it is frustrating for them, but it is also the fact that um, someone did make the point that, hey, you're getting... Every, anyone that starts in the Australian Open is going to get a minimum of $100,000 for just starting. Um, if you got to do two weeks in a hotel, it's probably, you know, to get $100,000. But I also do understand that mental fatigue is going to, it is going to have an effect on their games as well. Like, I think I'm seeing that with um, some Liverpool players and whatnot. I think there's certain players that handle it better and some that don't. And, um, yeah, it's interesting with, yeah, the Australian Open has uh, been, yeah, a bit of controversy at the moment. Some, was, I think, I saw an article today. Some people saying we should just call it off. So who knows how that's going to develop over the next week? But yeah, right. It's an interesting place. So yeah, it's an interesting place we're in with how how individuals in these positions handle it, um, because they are they are they are avoiding the issues where you know where all of us normal people <laughs> that don't have um, you know jobs that guarantees $100,000 just for turning up at the Australian Open and playing a game kind of thing. Um, we're in positions that we've actually, you know, the financial impacts of COVID are more serious. Whereas, um, you know, as long as athletes haven't got themselves in trouble with money, uh, if they're at that elite level, they're probably going okay as far as financials go. But then the health and safety of themselves obviously is a concern. And then um, just the mental aspects of it. And, you know, I'm a big proponent. I know you and I both, you know, mental health is a big, is a big issue. So, uh, yeah. I do understand where they're coming from in the sense that if they don't, I think if they if they want to play and get the pay packet, then they do have to make the sacrifices too. So I'm kind of dancing around where which way I stand because I'm kind of I do I do sympathise with the Australian Open athletes just on that point, but I also do not. Yeah. I do think that they're kicking up a fuss the way they are. Um, some of them are is um somewhat disingenuous to the people that are actually truly struggling through this thing. Yeah, and that's what I come back to, and I, I totally I, I echo everything you're saying, and and the kind of having a hard time. It's a hard one to have a hard line stance on yeah. because I do too. I, I understand for all these athletes and all these sports, they're having to make sacrifices, they're having to do things differently, and it's it is it's it's brutal, and, and I understand that. But I do have a hard time sometimes, and I think it's all about how it's messaged mm. uh, for me personally. Uh, like it was, I think Jeff Green in the NBA last week or earlier this week had some comments that just rubbed me the wrong way. Just because, you know, coming out and complaining because oh we can't we can't high five or we got to do these weird practices or we got to do this this and that for when we travel we can't leave the room. I get that. That sucks. It really does suck. And and my point is again, like you said with the Aussie Open, like well, and I don't want this to be the case, but at some point maybe you don't. We just don't do it. We just don't play as a yeah. as a you know try to do a condensed bubble later in the year, like the last one, or just wait, maybe things hopefully will be a little better in four or five months, you know, relatively at least won't be, you know, gone. But because at the same time, I just sit there and listen to him, you know, again, and it's not all about money. I understand that, but, you know, making $8 million this year and having to deal with this, but there's people that are 
on unemployment that are having to make sacrifices and do all sorts of things and, and, and at least here and everywhere. And so I just, it, it messaging I think is important. Um, and again, I do sympathize, but it is tough to, you know, there, I also feel like for a lot of people, it's tough to hear those things because how some of these prime athletes and things have had to quarantine has been a lot different than how the rest of us have to quarantine. And, you know, some people are quarantining in a one bedroom apartment with two other people or a, a kid and a spouse. And, you know, they've got these giant, you know, so it's, it's, again, it's not about money and everybody's suffering in different ways, especially mentally with everything. You know, it's not easy for anybody rich, poor or, or anything. It's not easy to, to deal with any of this stuff mentally, but um, you know, I, I think it's just read the room, read the tone. You can be frustrated. You can, you can, with your league or your your players association or your tournament directors or whomever for whatever it might be but uh but understand that all your hard work has allowed you to to play it you know there's not and that's the other that, that does on a side tangent that does drive me crazy when people just use the blanket will you make millions of dollars shut up mm-hmm. these people work really 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 hard to get where they are and to make that money so let's when people just blow it off like it's no big deal like let's let's take a step back from that but mm-hmm. uh but you know, just read the room with your messaging, and I think you'll get more sympathy than than pushback. But uh, that aside, I've just pulled something. Up. Yeah, seeing this about the Aussie Open, and and yeah, that's it. It's a bummer. It's going to have an impact on the tournament without a doubt because of how everything. And um, but you know, all these tra- all these athletes traveling from around the world, you got to understand too that uh, you know the country down there. I'm obviously not there, but from afar, it seems like his done a lot of good and doing a lot better than than a lot of us especially here so um if they have protocols and things they want people that are coming into their country to to follow and 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 abide by then you can't complain and argue because you're you know you're coming from somewhere maybe that has that doesn't have their stuff quite figured out so um but yeah and to 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 on a little more lighter note to take a step back to what you said a bit ago there the asterisk thing on some of these championships. I, I, I see people's point, of course. And if you want to say there's an asterisk because it's not the same as every other year, I mean, okay. I still don't agree. And I I don't buy it because yeah, it is different. Like the NBA will use as the example, because of course people want to shit on LeBron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was different, different than any other NBA championship. But I think you can make an argument that it was harder than any other NBA championship. Now, do I actually believe that? I don't know. I think every kind of championship has its own differing uh, hurdles and, and hardships and, and struggles and things that a team and players have to get through. But this one was vastly unique in the sense of they're away from everything they know, the comfort of their home, the comfort of their family for months on end. And uh, no, you know, th- that environment just was so different. So it had to be, you know, in some ways it's good. You're just there. It's just basketball towards the end. They got there, some of their families in there, but you know, it's just you, your team, it's just basketball. So in that sense, sure, it's great, but it is, it's just you. It's just the team. You don't have your family. You don't have your friends. You don't have your dog or, you know, like s- simple, silly things like that really do make a difference. And, and then it's every other night you're playing. Uh, it, it, there's just, for anything that might have been easier about this championship in the NBA or the NFL or MLB, anything that might have been, quote, easier this year or more straightforward for guys to win this year, there were just as many, if not more, hardships that they had to deal with or hurdles or, or just 
issues that they had to to overcome to cancel out any anything that would have made it perceived easier. So I, I just think, sure, it was different, but it doesn't mean it didn't mean as much or wasn't as hard to to accomplish. It was just different. So if you want to call that an asterisk, that's on you, I guess. But I I don't see it that way. I just see it. It was different, and you know, the seasons this season, twenty one championships are going to be very different too but it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from them at least not in my eyes yeah no i think that's a perfectly perfectly great um wrap up of actually the the kind of you know the differences that were there and the reason that you can you know history books um especially sports history does always have you know the context of those seasons you know when there's a lockout season and there's like you know 72 games yeah. 74 games yeah um you know the, the, if you actually read the context of the history it, it'll say yes this game this season was shortened but then still every team played the same amount of games um, exactly. and, and you know in a lockout season they all still traveled the same amount um you know as you you, you really eloquently and, and well explained the kind of yeah, there were things that were, you know, they didn't travel when they were in the bubble, all, but all teams didn't mm-hmm. travel. So every team that was in that bubble was under the same, um, you know, same stipulation. So while they didn't travel, so they weren't getting on late, you know, 1 a.m. flights back across the country. And then, you know, you know, NBA players have weird sleep schedules with the way the NBA season rolls. So they didn't have mm-hmm. to deal with that stuff. But then they also had to deal with, like you said, they don't get, they don't have the dog. They don't have their partners sometimes with them. They don't have their usual creature comforts of home the things that are habits and we're, we're all human. We have the things that get us through the day that make our days kind of uh, Zen in a way. And, um, and those things make it extremely tough. Some people deal with adapt. Some people are just more adaptable than others. So, you know, LeBron, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's crazy about LeBron is he's a freak and he probably still suffered a little bit, but he's just a, such a freak of an athlete and such a professional that he just rolled with it. Um, as did a lot of, you know, Jimmy Butler and the heat, they went on a crazy run that, you know, yeah. Yeah, and you can say, you know, who knows what happens if both teams are fully fit for the entire finals. But, you know, we can say that about LeBron's Cavs back in 2014, uh, 15 as well. Um, but, you know, that's just the story. That's the story of any season. But it, the, the the product in the, at the end of the day was really fun. It felt like just normal playoffs. I was really, you know, I I really enjoyed them. Um, obviously, the Blazers flaming out the way they did wasn't enjoyable. But once we got over that, it was just, um, all right, let's watch, see if LeBron can lead the Lakers back to the promised land. And he did. And, um for those of us that enjoy watching LeBron play, it was fun. For those of us that hate it, it wasn't fun. And that was going to be the way. Yeah. That was going to be the way it was, pandemic or not. If it was just a normal year, yep. it was going to be. It was still going to be the same. So the the narratives that come out of it are they're exactly the same. People's feelings are exactly the same. They just they try to try to um, make it okay with themselves, however the way they can, which is just normal sports anyway. So you know, all, yeah, all, 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 all you know, it just it became what it would be anyway. So it's kind of ironic that way that people put the asterisk on it, but it's only because they're trying to make themselves okay with LeBron winning or the Lakers winning or whatever it is, which is just exactly it's just how it would be no matter what the situation in the world is. So, um, yeah, strange. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I haven't seen anybody throwing an asterisk on the Tampa Bay Lightning's big championship in the NF and in, in NHL. <laughs> so, you know, no real hatred there. Although, although I will say, if Seattle would have won the MLS Cup. I, I think that would have deserved an asterisk for sure. But uh, yeah, well, luckily, they got shit stopped. Yeah, wasn't there a couple of COVID players out with COVID protocols in the final? Was that Nagby? Yeah, Nagby didn't play for Columbus. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they shit stopped him. So it was all good. Yeah, so Whew, the- dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and you know the, uh, the Timbers won the first the first cup um, post COVID cup, so you know there's a lot of there's no, yeah no asterisk there either. So, and that was um, yeah, you know that's uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and it'll lead on to probably what you might have been about to say. That was one of the first 
great sports moments. Um, obviously, there was Liverpool winning for me as well and, and yourself. But um, yeah. That yep. cup run for the Timbers in that little tournament, that little tournament became something that was, um, and maybe for other MLS fans and people that aren't fans of the MLS, it didn't matter. But for I think for our little circle, it became a really fun thing, that ride through. And some of those games were tight and they were exciting. And and we had a hard group in that little grouping. It was like LAFC, Galaxy, and Houston was that group that we had to get through. Um, yeah. 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 So like we had to beat some good opposite. And it was just a fun little thing. And that cup is going to be unique forever because it was the, you know, the MLS's back cup. So I don't know, you know, whatever future pandemics happen, I guess it could happen again, but (laughs) it's an incredibly unique piece of history. And it was, that was really fun. And like you and I were talking about escapism in sports before. Um, That was probably one of the first real examples of it where we really got invested in something like deeply. Because I think even Liverpool, we knew as soon as the EPL was coming back. They were going to win it. They were, yeah. They were straight yep. ahead. It was just a matter of time to the actual officialdom of it. Whereas that yep. tournament was completely, we didn't think we were going to get through and win it. We didn't even think we were getting through that group. So, no, <laughs> hell no. Yeah. No. And that was, I feel like, what? That was July. So, I mean, I think yeah, so we'd for, been seeing so some spr- sprinkled. What's it? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's only three years ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, but they, it, it, it was, it was like you said, the, the Liverpool was just a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. And the shame of all that was how anticlimactic it ended up being because of that. Now it still was surreal. And I, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take anything away. Like I've already mentioned, but mm-hmm. it, like you said, the MLS cup one was interesting or MLS is back is because for me here too, I think that was really the first American sport that really kicked back men's American sport. I should say that yes. really, um, kicked back going again and it was really surreal after months of not having sports or any live event of any sort to have every three or four nights a timbers game and you know again yeah sure it was a weird environment and whatever but like we ended up with some really great games uh we didn't know a lot the mls had played two games up to that point in the season so nobody knew much about their team at that point so uh, you know, we got to learn that Columbus was going to be real good. It was pretty clear. Philadelphia looked really good. And, you know, Timbers looked really good. And, and you know, barring some injuries, I think they could have could have made a little bit more noise in the in the, the main tournament or in the main, yeah, the main tournament, the main season too. But uh, it was just so much fun. And, and to, to hoist a cup that, sure, maybe in five years, no one will even blink an eye or think about it. Uh, but, I just like, I always tell people, I kind of just consider it the replacement to the U S open cup this year, something the Timbers have still never won. And I'd I'd like to see them win someday, but that didn't happen last year. And so that's the replacement for that. I mean, it was a CONCACAF spot. So in in theory, it did replace that directly. Um, But it was a month, a month that wasn't expected. Like you said, when you saw the groups come out, weren't sure they were even going to make it past the group stage or if they did, they'd, they'd, get a brutal draw in the first round and be out maybe, but uh, they, they showed a lot of grit and it was a ton of fun. It was a trophy that, uh, you know, I, I might, like I said earlier, that touched on this, the sports that are really here that I can live and experience. Uh, and oddly the ones that are the furthest away, I find the most attached the ones you've got me, we've talked about like the, the port and Liverpool. I find myself so much more emotionally tied to those than like the, the bears or the red Sox or like these teams here in America that are in other cities that I, can consume but not for whatever reason I, I have an attachment to those international teams much more for for whatever psychological reason that is but mm-hmm. anyways of all the trophies that my teams it's 
well, I guess two at this point, my direct, like here in my state or city that I've seen raised. Uh, so I guess not many, but man, that one just felt like it'll be special for us that are Timbers fans for a long time because it just, it wasn't just a trophy. It represented, all right, sports are, are back. Like maybe life can be normal again someday, maybe, uh, or at least somewhat kind of like it used to be, mm-hmm. uh, normal, normal is probably not the right word, but, uh, but yeah, it was just, what a ride. What if it just felt, it's so cliche to say, but it felt good to feel something in sports again. And yeah. it happened so quickly and it happened so quickly that, uh, it, it was just, it was special and it was fun. And, um, yeah, I've actually, I've heard some, I doubt there's any steam to it or, or anything, but I've heard people saying, Oh, we need to do another MLS's back tournament. Like, rumblings on twitter and whatever and i will be curious if if they ever try to do something like a a a tournament you know just like obviously they have the u.s open cup but the way that's structured is so so strange and weird and it's got a lot of pitfalls i love that the lower divisions are involved in it of course that makes it special and fun and the way it should be but I, i just wonder if there'll ever be a tournament that's just like the mls that's more kind of they won't go into a bubble or anything per se but you know that kind of goes throughout the season like an fa cup or you know like they have that's the us open cup but there's the the two you know english cups that happen throughout yeah. the year that are kind of spaced but so it'll be interesting if there's any steam or if it is a one and done and we never see it again and and you know at least timbers fans will have that little unique piece of history like yeah yeah there was the one thing we won and, and i hope they put something up in the stadium i think they will I, i'd imagine they will um because you know they put up western conference championships and things and i think this is right there with a western conference championship honestly you know it's not an mls cup or a supporter shield i'm not i'm not delusional enough to say something like that but i mean winning the year they went and lost to atlanta in the mls cup final there's a there's a you know a a banner up for them uh the western conference championship and i think this was just as cool and, and fun so um yeah, it, yeah. it uh, hopefully it'll be remembered fondly by by those of us that were on the winning side at least. And I think some of those that maybe didn't think they had a chance and got knocked out early, or maybe when they thought they would get knocked out, I'd be curious what those MLS fans had to say because again, it was just a reintroduction to the sport and everything for them as well. Um, people like Seattle or things that I've already heard from that thought they were going to win it and thought they should have won it and didn't, well, it instantly becomes, ah, oh, that thing was shit. We didn't care anyways. It's like, well, that's not what you were saying when you were in it. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's shut that down right now. Uh, cause, cause you wouldn't be saying that had you won LA or Seattle or, you know, Atlanta or whoever. So, so let's not act like it didn't matter to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly. And I think that's um something that, you know, as fans, we often get caught up in the battles against other fan bases and trying to justify our own happiness as far as how our team has performed in any given competition if we won yeah. something, you know. It's you so know, true. You know, <laughs> Manchester United fans have been calling, you know, Liverpool last year or every other fan base called us Liverpool um, with the VAR stuff, which, you know, statistically, <laughs> does, statistically doesn't actually hold up considering um, Man United's fortunes over the last 18 months, but... You know that's just a battle, and sometimes you get you get caught up in it, and then and then you get a bit down because you're like, oh, they, you know, I can't even enjoy it. But you know, you you sit back and just as a fan, and once you just you know block out all that noise, you enjoy it yourself. And I think that's what the good thing with the Timbers run was like um, when you compartmentalize it yourself and just enjoy it as a fan base talking to a fan to fan. It's like you do find that joy in it, and that's what that's the main thing with sports anyway. Is that you know all the rivalries and stuff are fun, but as long as you're finding that joy in it and. Um, you know, I look at it and look at the teams we beat in the way, and it was like it was a, 
that's part of it too. Like when Liverpool won the Champions League a couple of years ago, when you look at the fact they beat PSG and Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona along the way, that makes it really, you know, beyond... Yeah. It. Yeah, it's a, it's a really... And, you know, no, other fans won't even remember that. They'll just think, oh, they beat Tottenham in the final and that was boring. But it was the journey... <laughs> it was kind of the journey along the way that really made it worth it, you know? Like um, I've, got the, I've got the final and that Barcelona game on DVD and I watched the Barcelona game way more. That wasn't the final, but that... It felt like the final in a way, and that's you know all these runs and title runs that you look back on, and whatever sport it is, you you look at the journey that the journey that was to get there is sometimes as as big as the um as the event itself or the the cup lift itself. So yeah, when you when you just look at it um and enjoy it yourself, it's it, all that no- outside noise doesn't matter anyway. So but it's fun still to yeah. it's still it's still fun. So you know Seattle lost the MLS Cup and that was in- incredibly enjoyable for all of us. So. You know, it was, it was, and I hate to be that fan, but man, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was the same, um, you know, the same with that wild ride that was, uh, who was going to be the uh, Pac 12 North champion, (laughs) like that, and that that week week and a half, and you know, that that tweet aged well, and all that stuff was incredibly enjoyable, you know. Um, it was, yeah, and you know, that's what you enjoy it when you when you can have it, and then sometimes those other years it goes against you, it's really, you know, you just turn off Twitter for a couple of days and. And you get past it. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that whole thing, I mean, that'll grind, as you can imagine, speaking of fan, you know, rivalry and butting heads, that one drove me crazy. Only in the sense that, like, I get, like, it was such a fucked up situation and, and you know, the unfortunately the Huskies were just decimated by, by COVID and that's not anything, no matter what your fandom is. You don't want to hear or root for anything like that. So that part of it was terrible and, but the the narrative, <laughs> opening the beer, I like yeah, it. It's the right time. <laughs> Good timing, yeah. The narrative that I would, the only thing that bugged me about it all, because yeah, the, you know, winning the North, quotes or not winning the North, just representing the North, I guess you call it, was weird, sure. Uh, yeah. But the in the Pac-12 championship on a national TV or in the bowl game during national TV, you get the narrative like. Oh well, you know Washington won the pack or the North, but the Dodgers got to represent blah, blah blah. Which I guess in 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 on paper I guess is true, but when it's worded like that, what bugged me and again this is small nitpicky things from a fan, but what bugged me about that is it's worded like the Huskies had beat Oregon in the year mm-hmm. they were the North champions, and that Oregon just got to go because of COVID. You know, if that were the case, it, it would feel even gross. It would just be like, oh, boy, that kind of like, we'll take it, I guess. But that was weird. But that wasn't the case. You know, Oregon and Washington were slated to play for the North, yeah. literally a North title, North title game that didn't, again, unfortunately, didn't get to be played because of issues that they had on, on their side. And, and that sucks. But let's not act like that game was going to be a 14-point spread for Washington. I I don't know what the odds were when it probably, probably got released at some point because the game was going to happen. So, mm. I'd imagine it was near close to a pick them. Like neither team was good. No Pac-12 team was good this year because of everything we've already talked about. But the idea that like, you know, Washington was the outright champion and deserved it after playing no road games, playing one division team and barely, they shouldn't have won that game either. Oregon state fans will understand. They did not win that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was just like that that title bet again that fandom and that those back and forth is just big eye roll for me because it's like it was weird nobody really deserved anything this year but don't act like <laughs> like like it was some you know 
it was going to be 70 to 21 again in favor of them. And they were just going to walk their way to USC. That, that wasn't the case. Who knows what won that game. We unfortunately didn't get to see, Mm -hmm. but we didn't play. So let's not act like it was honestly the best team in the North at the end of the year was Stanford. And and there's no doubt about that in my mind. So it was probably good. We got them early. Yeah. I was going to say, that's what's wild is um, the way the North developed is some teams got you know, Oregon started off really well, and we were like, you know, when we, you know, we beat Stanford, yeah. beat, beat Stanford comfortably, and uh, yep. you know, and then things like, and then the next game was reasonably comfortable, and then that, I think it was UCLA, we we tripped across the line yep. and kind of, uh, had, it was good and bad, and then you know it started going on, on downhill after that with um Oregon, and you know Oregon State um actually thrived into a time like that. That um that rivalry game we won't call it what it was before anymore because that's what they've they made a decision and on that on the name of the the Oregon Oregon State rivalry that I I do respect as far as the the idea behind it so um Jeff Jeff deemed it the Marion Barry melee and I'm for it <laughs> um Jeff we need to get Jeff on the pod sometime because he's always got good yeah. takes on these things um yeah but um you know Oregon State, that game like as I watched it unfold uh Oregon State would just should have beat us by more really and like I yeah and I, yeah. And I hate to say it but they're, they're the rival that you can actually tolerate um being that um um and you know they they that they should have beaten Washington and you know if they'd beaten Washington that game then it's not even a question like we would have defaulted into the game without the COVID protocols putting Washington out I think with how they were working out the it was the math mm-hmm. who was in so um yeah, yeah, no, it's it's funny how I say all that stuff about oh, if you just block it out and turn off Twitter, you'll be fine. But then, yeah, no, it do, does frustrate you <laughs> as well when the narrative behind how that game. But you know, that was really fun to go to the championship game and beat. You know, I know USC isn't the team that they were back in the mid two thousands, but they're still a program with steeped in history. So it doesn't. It, it's still that's and still an incredibly fun. We beat USC in a in a, in a, in a conference championship game, and that's. Yep, that's that's fun. That's fucking fun. So, um, you know, the 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 bowl game didn't go the way, it, and I think we actually, I we probably played better at times in that bowl game than I thought we were going to. But then we made the stupid, yes, we made the stupid mistakes that let it get away from. I think if we don't make any of those mistakes, we might actually go on and win that game because we we were really um, moving the ball well at times, and then it's just stupid mistakes. You know, the fumbles and the and the and the punt punt fumble and all those things. Just um, when we got a foothold back it was like one step forward two steps back a lot of times in that bowl game and strangely i came out of that bowl game thinking no that didn't go as badly as i thought it would so um weird season for sure yeah yeah um yeah that bowl game was tough too because the way i looked at it going into it like you know our little pick em thing and all that like there was there was zero doubt in my mind i was picking iowa state and i hate <laughs> to say that but no no but it, it was that's why you win the pickems and I lose because I just I just pick Oregon all the time. That's my thing. Is like yeah, I'm gonna live and die by how good the ducks are. So when the ducks are good, I I generally do better. <laughs> I do call them with betting and real life or like real betting with money or or in these games, these pickem games. I do like tend to call it emotional hedging, where it's like if if I'll pick against my team and if I lose my pick, hey fuck yeah, my team won. I don't care. So it's but but that one was really one where I, I was like I just. The big couple of the big things for me in that one were that Iowa State, first of all, played a, a, I mean, what they played 12 games, so they yeah. played basically a full real season. They played in front of five, six, seven, ten thousand fans every weekend down there in the Big 12. 
Uh, and so they had, of course, nothing was normal about this year for those schools either. Like they had protocols and they had people out and they had this and that, like they, they dealt with it all too, but their season, I would assume felt much more real than the Pac-12 or Oregon's football season ever felt. It just never felt real. It felt like scrimmages. It felt, again, it wasn't not fun. I still enjoyed them. I am at the end of the day, I've waffled a couple times here, but I am glad they played. It was fun to watch something to, to escape, but (sighs) And all that aside, that that was their, you know, they actually, it felt probably like a real bowl game. Like that was the crescendo of their season that they had had, or a pretty normal on the field feeling season. Not to mention, let's, let's not, let's call it what it was. That was Ohio, that was Iowa State's biggest win, biggest bowl win in their program's history. Mm. And I'm not saying that because it was against Oregon. That has nothing to do with it. It was the fact that it was a New Year's Six bowl. Fiesta Bowl that they hadn't ever reached those heights that, you know, Matt Campbell has done a tremendous job of, of lifting that program and, and making it a, a real, you know, a real force, I would say a real, uh, a real thorn in folks like Oklahoma or Texas aside down there in the big 12. And, and that was a, a real, they've been steps these last few years. And so that game meant the world to those guys. And I'm not saying it didn't mean the world to our guys. I'm sure, you know, it meant a lot, but you could just see it on the field that that game meant everything to that team and that fan base. Whereas our guys, again, I'm not, not shitting on them. I, I was proud of them, but it was just, you could just feel that we'd had a weird season. We, a lot of people say we backed in, which I guess technically we kind of did. And, and, you know, so it's just, it just felt like trains going in and up, you know, ready to collide that, that they were just, they were going a lot faster than we were when we, when we hit impact. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't take away that, uh, as bitter of a feeling as that was, or sour of a taste that might've, cause it just didn't look good. Um, but that, you know, that USC win, yeah, you can't ever be sad about however you got there. You had beaten USC in a championship in their home, mm-hmm. uh, and really taking it to them. You said they're rich in tradition. They're also rich in five and four star athletes too. So <laughs> it's not, it's not like you went out and beat some bunch of, you know, kids that nobody wanted. Like those are all heavily recruited kids and, uh, and that, you know, a lot of our guys are from the LA or Southern California area. So it means a lot to those guys. And, and so that was fun. And, you know, obviously the Liverpool and, and Timbers winning were, were bigger, but that one felt, that was another one of those moments in COVID sports where you're just like, yeah, that one felt good. That was really cool. And uh, enough to where I don't want even normally do it, but enough, I went and bought a hat and everything more slightly just cause I was extremely happy and slightly cause I'm like, oh, I'm just going to troll Husky fans. But, yeah. uh, but, you know, it it was fun, and hey, like I said with the Timbers MLS back, we got something, we being Oregon fans or Timbers fans, we got something out of this weird COVID sports year, and a lot of people can't say that. So, uh, you know, it, it was fun. And uh, But, yeah, that Iowa State game, good for them. I'm happy for that program. I, I like them. I, I know Jeff wouldn't be happy to hear that, him keep dropping his name, but he's a, not an Iowa State fan. His family is a bunch of – got a lot of Iowa uh, family, so rival for them. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like what Matt Campbell's built down there, and I think he's done it. It's seemingly the right way and, and everything kind of – you know, similar to how Mario – I'd imagine those two have a lot of respect for each other. And mm. um, So, yeah, good on them. You know, it's better to lose to them than someone – someone like Ohio state or Oklahoma or whatever, like it's good to see a program that's coming up and maybe it reminds us of ourselves 10, 10 years ago, or, you know, kind of that up and coming new program. That's, that's the hot one. And so, so good for them. I was happy, happy for them. And, uh, 
hopefully we get to play them again in a normal season and let's see what see what we can do it'll be fun yeah yeah and um speaking of normal, oh, who knows what next season will be, be like but um i mean first of all i want to ask you a question i know i think i've texted briefly about this but um the Mario Cristobal, I know he signed the signed the deal and he's he's staying and whatever. But how how concerned were you at the time when the Auburn stuff was coming up and all that? You know when he, you know he's looking for an extension and there's the you know, Auburn's looking for a coach and I you know I, I I often say to you guys in text like I just don't get a feel sometimes where like I just see a tweet about for something and I don't realize kind of like um I texted you guys the other day what Urban Myers head coach like I had no idea that yeah was and you guys were like oh yeah that was in the in the so I just you miss things when you're down under and um, yeah, you don't get the news cycle. So, you know, I, I, I was, I just assumed Cristobal was staying and the ducks would do, I, I assumed Oregon, the athletic department would know that they've got a coach that seems pretty invested and would pony up whatever is required. But I don't know, was, was it a real concern for you down there or up over there or? Uh, for me personally, no, I, I feel like, and I think I tweeted it too that, that week or two. I swear half the time Oregon fans are the ones making up some of these rumors. Now, do I think maybe Auburn reached out? Sure. I I don't know that I've seen anything official that they like talked to him or they definitely didn't interview him as far as I know. But, you know, I have a few feelings on that, that a, that's just going to keep happening. He keeps getting these recruiting classes. He keeps going to New Year's six bowls or maybe a playoff here and there. Mm. He's going to keep needing to get extended and paid more. And in the world, I, there's, there's, uh, there's issues I have with it on the whole, not with Mario himself getting that money, just on the whole, how coaching works in college football. Uh, but that's, that's a whole other topic. But mm-hmm. I never felt worried. And if I'm honest, I love Mario and I want him to be Oregon's coach. And, and I think he's doing a tremendous job so far. But if, well, well, this is how I felt at the time, is if I'm Auburn and I'm sitting there and they're, they announce we've hired Mario Cristobal, if I'm an Auburn fan, how excited does that make me? He's a hell of a recruiter, sure, but that's a team that just played him the year before with what turned out to be a pretty crappy freshman quarterback. I mean, who knows? He's still young. He's still a sophomore. And Oregon threw out the NFL Rookie of the Year, and they still lost to them. So uh, if I'm Auburn, how, how, how excited does that make me? Now, Auburn ended up with Boise State's coach. Now, up here in the Northwest, we know – Hey, that guy can coach his ass off, and and I think Auburn probably got a good guy. Uh, if he can handle the bigger the bigger stage, then I think he'll do great things. So us in the Northwest know that when you hear the name Boise State, you're not just you know just scoff and roll your eyes and move on. That's a, that's a real program that's that's put real players in the NFL, real coaches in the NFL, and and you know has beat real real good teams. So, but I don't know Auburn fan. If I'm Auburn fan sitting in whatever they're doing down there uh i don't know (laughs) exactly Uh, i I wasn't gonna go there but uh how they i don't know how they feel about that they landed boise states you know now maybe they would have been like god i wish we could have got mario but but at the time during that week like again i don't doubt that they would have asked him or would have interviewed because he deserves he's a hell of a coach but Mm. you know i think he's and I could be totally wrong and money talks. You'd like to think Oregon will keep opening that checkbook as they need to for both him and assistants. You know, we're, we're going through an interesting coaching search now too, but I think it, I I just think he's a, he gets it. He knows that Oregon, let's be real. Do you want to go to Auburn and your in-state rival is Alabama? 
you are expected as an Auburn Tiger, you are expected to win and go to the college football playoff every couple years Mm -hmm. for sure. And to do so, you have to win the SEC. Or do you want to coach at Oregon where your in-state rival, no offense, is Oregon State, and you have to win the Pac-12 to get a shot at the the college football playoff or you automatically get a New Year's Six Bowl. So, like, man – and again, he's not gonna. I'm not, you know, the guy like that's competitive juice, and he's he's wired and to to be an ultimate competitor. So he's not gonna take an easy road out. That's not what I'm saying either. But boy, if you do want to keep making those paychecks, and it is about money, it's at times. Then Oregon's not a bad place to be, especially with the way he can recruit and the staff he's been able. He's been able to grab some damn good coordinators, and hopefully, he's about to do it again. So. You know, I uh, I was never – that's a really long-winded to say. I wasn't ever actually that worried, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just feel like Oregon fan makes those rumors up half the time too, so. Yeah, that's, that's – But, uh, yeah. yeah. That's fair. I think I think for me down here with, um, you know, getting the news cycle the way I do, which is often through tweets and um, – Rumors that yeah, I see, yeah. and I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I follow a fair few accounts that I trust, and I don't. But then you still just, you don't get to come home and watch Sports Center at night and get a, a general feel for the news cycle. So I had an, especially I had a bit of a once bitten, twice shy kind of thing because of what happened with Willie Taggart a few years ago. Which boy was that? Like you know, in hindsight, was actually the best thing that ever happened to blessing. us. Yeah. At the, at the time, what a blessing. Yeah. And, and I still like as a person, I just I can't stand the Willie Taggart anyway because I think it was quite it was just an unreal situation that unfolded over that um, period of time. But yeah, I think that's why the situ- I just couldn't I couldn't get it out of my head until he signed on. I was just like, I couldn't get the idea out of my head that what if it does happen because of because of that situation. Yeah. I just did not think Willie was going to go after you know. Mm-hmm barely done with his first year and then take off because the the opportunity arises and then it kind of came up the you know the stuff I was seeing was like oh this is you know big job this would be like the move home for Mario and so like I was just like oh no not again that that was kind of what was floating through my head which is why I think you guys were getting those texts like hey is this is this like should I be worried about this <laughs> like, just, is this real yeah. is this happening are we is it deja vu yeah well you know especially because I wake up like here you know six seven a.m. and you guys are like over halfway through a day over there. So my, I just wake up with like Bleacher Report, just notifications for the <clears> morning <throat> news cycle. And like, I'm trying to process everything, you know, it's whether NBA, like all this stuff at once. And yeah, it was one of those ones that just will pop up here and there. They're like, what is going on here? But it, it didn't, it never got to the point where it was really seemed serious anyway, but it was, I was just yeah. yeah curious as to how it seemed over there. Um, Yeah, it is, it is fun. Watch. Following international sports is a, is um can be interesting at times with how it's an interesting beast. It will be really interesting, you know, if his trajectory keeps going. And there's really, you know, there's no reason to believe uh, again what he got, what him and that staff and those players were able to do this season. And 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 I would suggest there's a Joey does a radio hit with the the local guys here that I really love, Isaac and Souk. Um, mm-hmm. He does a weekly hit with them, and he wrapped up the season, and he put it so well, just how young they are, what that's, you know, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line, uh, new quarterback, and so no training camp, no, you know, no summer practices, none of that stuff. They just had to hit the ground running. And, you know, being the youngest team, again, I still, I still so curious what metric is used to, to, to define that. Um, but, you know, everybody nationally and locally says they're the youngest team in NCAA D1, so – and to do what they did, they got to New Year's Six Bowl. However, they did it, they got there. So, if his trajectory continues, and again, like I said, we're starting to say, there's no reason to think it won't. 
and he keeps this is a, every two year cycle or every year cycle where it's like, oh, this job opened up. Like, I am really curious what I would assume Oregon will continue to slowly roll out the open the, the checkbook. I do wonder what that number is that Oregon finally says, I, we just can't do that in our market, in our size. We just can't do that. I wonder if that number ever comes and what that number is. But I also wonder for him personally as a coach, what num- what what job is it? I think Miami is one. Us Duck fans all have to keep our eyes on. Yeah. And I think Alabama is one, you know, but again, that's, that's a bold Alabama's Alabama. Would they come if, if Saban retired in two years, are, are, are they going to come knocking for Mario or are they looking, you know, they get, they get to pick their, their coach. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, so, you know, but, and again, if he continues this trajectory, maybe they do, maybe Alabama's like, Hey, we want you to come. So like, are those the two jobs or is, are either of those ones he'd leave you know, Miami's where he played obviously. So I think that's the one you're most worried about. Um, but you know, it's from by all accounts, it sure seems, and every coach is this way. Every coach loves the school they're at, and they they say all the, but he just really says all the right things and just seems to behave all the right ways. His family seems to love Eugene and Oregon. They all seem really involved in the local community and everything, which again maybe happens everywhere with most good coaches, but. I just wonder, I'm really curious again, what the number for Oregon that finally says, sorry, we just can't, we can't do it. We got to let you go or or you're free to go. Uh, And then also, you know, combined with what job is it that he's finally like, sorry, Oregon, the money doesn't matter. I really want to go here. Do we ever see it? I don't know. Uh, I hope not. And I hope the trajectory continues and we, you know, we get a national championship out of him, but you know, I'm realistic Oregon fan and I, I don't think that's necessarily in the cards in the relative future either, but I just so curious what, what those two, what the answer to those two questions are and mm. if we'll ever find out. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing is like my read on him from over here. And again, it's just like uh, following from afar is that he does seem very invested in the program and, and the idea of building this program. I think he, and uh, it's not an idea I got from um, from Willie. And even, you know, in hindsight, looking back on Chip the way I, and, you know, Chip's beloved at Oregon and he's, he kind of mm-hmm. set the foundation, uh, you know, Belotti before him as well. But then Chip really took it to that next level where we, we were in the national championship conversation and in the game and should have won. Dyer was down. Um, but Dyer was fucking down. Yeah. Um, but wrist, wrist and ankle. Yeah. Okay. Go but, on. Uh, but Chip was, uh, you know, he was a, he did always seem to be, he's very much a silent guy and living on his own and just there for the, and he was very much part of the process. But whereas Cristobal seems to like, you know, obviously family and everything as well is set, like it just seems to have those roots set a little bit more. And, and he's a lot more mm-hmm. outspoken, like, you know, and but you know, who knows what shit would be now if he was starting off a career with Twitter and stuff. But it just seems to be like 10 years late, 10 years down the track as far as college football coaching, like Twitter is very much a part of it. And, Cristobal and his coaches are retweeting athletes that are, you know, putting their final fives up. And they just seem to be – and it may be just that social media reach just makes me see them differently. And and Chip – and maybe Chip would have been like that if he was on the same trajectory 10 years later. But, yeah, I just get the feel that he seems invested in the journey to see what he can do with this. And so being invested in the journey means at least five or six years of seeing what he can do with a full recruiting class cycle and, and, and so yeah. on. And so, yeah, that's – why I think we don't have to worry about it for the next few years. Um, uh, but again, I thought I had that. I thought we had that with Taggart, which is just I had an incredibly wrong read on him, I guess. So 
that's why I think that 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 little bit of anxiety came when those rumors were up there. But at the same time, yeah, Christopher yeah. just does seem to be, and that's the thing. Like you've said, is uh, with those other if those other opportunities came knocking, you have to look at like you know if, you know like you said, if Saban retired in two years, and Alabama came knocking, and because Cristobal's gone on a trajectory that has Oregon at the level that Alabama's interested, then does he go? Well, I've already got Oregon on this journey. They're good. We're we're good. I the fans love me and the fan expectation at Oregon while it is there and um, we've seen it in the stands yeah. before and it is there, there is an expectation for success he'd also have a little bit more leeway with Oregon um, going forward whereas if he left Oregon in a good position, went to Alabama as Sab- like Saban's successor is not is uh, probably not a job too many there's a lot of people obviously there I'm a I'm a Australian sitting in my house in cricket shorts and a and a fan's jersey. I'm not gonna. Ha- I just don't have the same mind as a guy that's probably going to be looking, going to be interviewed for Saban's replacement. So I don't know what their mentality would be, but you're gonna have to consider a lot going into that one. It's kind of like people, you know, David Moyes as a. It would be like David Moyes succeeding Alex Ferguson. Like whoever succeeded Alex Ferguson was almost set up for failure already. And I wonder if the Nick Saban. Mark Kelfrich. Yeah. Exactly. He followed Chip. Yeah, so you 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 succeed someone that's so beloved. Um, so you've got to con- those considerations. Gonna, so if if Cristobal's on the trajectory that has Alabama interested in him, then he's probably got on a good thing at Oregon already in the next couple of years. And what like my thing is, why would you put yourself in the firing line of if you fail? At Alabama, you might that might be just the career down downfall because you know when Moy, you know again going back to because just because Ferguson was probably the yeah the realistic equivalent to what Saban's done at Alabama as far as you know the the dynasty that it is because it's very very rare that you can really talk about realistic dynasties in any sport but Ferguson at United was um, as much as I hate to admit it you know I can Um, and Saban at Alabama with just a consistency of success over the last decade is that like. Do you want to go like, especially if you're on a good thing at Oregon? I just can't imagine. Can't imagine because he, he's gonna he's gonna be able to stay at Oregon until he gets the chance at the national championship. Really, because we don't we don't have that ten years of having a championship every two years before that. Yes. Into, yeah. Whereas if he goes to Alabama, yeah, that's my read on it. Just to just to wrap. Yeah. It up. Yeah. yeah. You go to Bama, you don't win a championship in three years. <laughs> uh Oh. Which is insane, but yeah. and yeah, look, which is a side tangent, but we'll direct direct, I guess, correlation is how fucking good was that Alabama team? Holy, especially at least the offense. Holy shit, that was that that team was insane to watch. And I like of the final four there, like they were to me. Sorry, Shay, they were the lesser of the four. They were the lesser of all the evils, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and. So I can't act like I was rooting for them, even though they helped me uh, win the old pick'em. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was they were the the least, yeah, the least painful to root for, I guess. Like you know, I I, I say that I joke with Shay. Like I, you know, Notre Dame, they have the name, but they aren't that that team. That's they aren't the other three that were there. So it's unfair to 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 lump them in like that because the other three are just there. They're there every year and. They're going to be there every year for a while now until this thing, I don't know, changes or gets expanded or I, I don't know how to fix that. That's a whole other thing. But, mm. uh, but yeah, you're you're dead on with that. Like I don't think I'd want to follow Saban. Just and obviously it's pales in comparison what we had at Oregon with following Chip. But 
you know, let's all remember that uh, Mark Elfridge, love him or hate him, he he took the the Ducks, he won a playoff game, which only, what, five or six coaches, I think, can say they won a college football playoff game at this point, maybe less, four or five. Against Uh, the team that had won the national title the year before. Exactly, and we're undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, and and he took him to a national championship, and and I agree with with parting ways. The 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 wheels were falling off, and they were falling off fast. If you could see it, he 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 got his dream job too early in life, in, or too early in his career. I think was what that was. But that aside, that just shows you like people expected Chip, and even going in four years, in a span of four years, he went from in his second season taking the Ducks to a national championship, and being a you know, a couple turns, twists and turns away from maybe winning a national championship to to four and eight and out on his ass. Like, so I just think the leash is, is shorter. It's even shorter elsewhere. So someone, whoever follows Saban is, is <laughs> and I'm sure they will because they have an embarrassment of riches and their team is just incredible. But let's not act like when Saban leaves, whoever comes is just going to just, Okay, you know, plug and play. It's not like his five-star running backs that he just plugs and plays. That coach will be – that is a tall order. And uh, I don't think I – you know, again, like you said, I'm just a guy sitting here in Oregon in my sweatpants. But, yeah, boy, I wouldn't want to follow Saban where he's at. So, uh, yeah, it's – it's uh, it'll be – but, damn, I'll just say it again. Damn, that team was – Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, holy shit, those two. That The closest thing I could think of when I watched those guys play on offense and their defense was scary is their defense wasn't even close to their best defense, Alabama's best defense. Their offense was far and away their best offense, but it reminded me of the the 2000, early 2000s USC Trojans with Reggie Bush, Lundell White, Matt Leiner. Like, that's what I felt like I was watching. It was so fun. As much as I hate to say I had fun watching Alabama – it was fun to watch their offense work, especially when they're bludgeoning Ohio state. Like that just makes my heart happy, but, <laughs> uh, but man, they were good. And, and boy, it really puts it into perspective sitting there watching a duck game or a pac 12 game or a big 12 game. And then you watch Alabama play. You just say, Oh, we are, we are, we are playing a different game right now. Yeah. Uh, and that could change quickly. Of course. I, you know, I, in my heart, you know, Dabo came up and has a team who I despise, but I, he has a team now that's a staple there every year. So these, you know, these in Clemson is not like they're a traditional, like humongous powerhouse. They, they were very similar to Oregon was before, uh, before uh, Dabo got there, at least in the relative recent history. So um, we're kind of on the cusp, would go to some big games, but you know, never got over that hump. Uh so, you know, I like to tell myself that that's what Mario can turn Oregon into is one another one of those staples that you're just like, oh, college football playoff, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Oregon, Alabama, you know, that's just kind of a name you associate with the college football playoff. I, I hope and think he can get them there, and I try to say that optimistically, but, you know, it's a select group. So who knows? Maybe not, but I'll, I'll keep taking Rose Bowl sunsets and wins uh, for the rest of my life. If that's, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. So let's just, let's just keep riding that train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you set that as your, uh, as your goal and then, and then see how far, like you kind of set that as your bar and then see what happens in the magical season that you do get, you know, cause even that, 
those years with Chip, like I think it was only probably I I I was very new to Oregon that year that we uh, went to the yeah. next, the game against Auburn, but like it felt like halfway through the it felt like maybe a third or halfway through the year it was like oh shit we could actually be in the national title game like I don't think yeah like I knew I I remember the read because I think it was my second full season living there and I was still getting used to how college football and news cycle worked and how even the playoff worked uh, or getting into the national title game because it's completely foreign to me when I first moved there but. It felt like it was like, yeah, it was a third or a halfway through the year, especially after you get that big win against Stanford and a few of the other, and you and you kind mm-hmm. of start you end up suddenly you're in the top top two or three, and it's like, oh shit, if we keep this rolling and we run the table, we're in the game. And um, so, but I think probably at the start of the year it was just like you get to the Rose Bowl and see what. It but yeah. Yep. Um. So if you if you set the Rose Bowl as your base and then see what happens in the in the magical year if you get the right recruits and whatever, then. And everything falls in line, and that's kind of where Oregon's at at the moment. But I do, I think we've said this before, is Mario seems to be recru- getting the recruits that that uh, make us a little bit tougher over the, like, overall as a squad is um, he seems to get yeah. into those those areas that Helfrich could and Chip didn't and Chip maybe didn't try to as much before he was trying he he was had his own idea of how football was going to be played and and and, and <laughs> again very close to a national championship doing it so he he his brand of football was just that was just a magical time in college football i think when what he was trying to do but mario seems to be doing the thing that seems to be trying to make us you know in the hypothetical that we get to a title game against alabama in the future again like you said they're they're just entirely different beasts but he seems to be trying to build a team that could maybe you know be in the trenches with alabama as far as those lines and then and then see what happens elsewhere as well so yeah that's how i read how how he's trying to go about his recruiting yeah. anyway because he's he he he, yeah. com- he comes from that kind of that that position on the field too as far as his, his playing career as well so he understands that side that physical side of football um as as a play, former player coach is um which is the, the the one of the major differences between him and chip i guess but um again Chips, Chips way so was so close to to winning a title. So I have no disrespect for what he did there, and um, change change the game forever. Let's, I mean, it's yeah. people can people can discount it all they want, but uh, he really did. So, mm-hmm. um, and to something touch on something you said just a bit ago about Twitter and all that. Ten years later, you know, would Chip Chip doesn't have a Chip's the coach of a Pac-12, uh, you know. <laughs> Power five, power five football team, and he doesn't have a Twitter account. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. no, he wouldn't have changed his ways, his squirrely little ways, and I love him forever. But he wouldn't. He's not buying into this Twitter shit, and and uh, so it's just chip for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he was um he, he was yeah he's unique um there's uh it's still funny that time that I ran into him in Dairy Mart surprisingly a lot more smiley and happy than I thought he would be with a random guy talking to him. He's uh he'd be, he'd have to be an interesting personality to actually be friends with, I think, because of how he, how he is so reserved, it seems, but he does also probably behind closed doors. He's probably kind of like, um, he's very, 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 I guess, similar to Bill Belichick in that way that you, you, when, yep. he's, when you get Bill yep. Belichick behind closed doors, he's actually a very affable personality, but he just has his media face. So, but that's what that's what I like about what Cristobal's doing is he's doing it his own way, which is a lot more. There's a lot of enthusiasm across the coaches, and they just have their way of um of trying to spruik their squad and and get recruits. So you know it's a new age for yep. Oregon, and we can you know the the chip era will be looked back on forever as um a, a fun and 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 incredibly successful era too. Like 
when they they did the stadium redo um, with the the fountains and then the 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 poles with the colours of the winning team, like you look along where where Chip had that run of I don't know how many wins in a row it was at Oregon, but there's a lot of a lot of poles that are the same colour there before you start getting to where where it all started to fall apart a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, that's an incredibly uh, binary way of looking at it. But it is that that I remember when they first did that stadium redo, I was like, that is such a cool sight to see that little bit of the little bit of history in in, in that form um, in the in the uh, decorations of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of you know a lot of good good coloured. Uh, uh, polls these days too. So let's keep let's keep racking those. I can't remember. Do they make them all yellow when they win, or is it yellow or green depending on home away? I can't remember. For some reason in my head, I think of yellow, but maybe it may. It yeah, may be cool maybe that is. Maybe alternated yellow and green, but then maybe you have one color, and then because you might, who knows? If you, I hypothetically, yeah, I hypothetically lost to Michigan State in the future. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yellow is pretty unique. There are not a lot of other teams that have yellow as their main color, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's dead on. Now, now you got me curious. <laughs> <laughs> got to do a little Google. All right, I, we're over an hour in, and I thought we were going to get to NFL as our, as our first thing, but um, um, if you're ready for it, it would be fun to finish off just talking about because we've just literally finished um, Division Weekend in the um, in the, the professional side of football. And um, well, it was actually well, the plan for today was with the podcast was um, we we're going to get all four of us on. Um, back like we did with the last isolation pod we did back in um i think april which was uh, incredibly yeah. chaotic i ended up throwing up about two hours after that podcast <laughs> candid <laughs> scrambled chaos it was fun though i had a, that was a good that was so what you could tell we all needed that badly because things were things were really tough at that point for everybody i mean it's, things are tough for a lot of people still but yeah. that was uh we were all we we're all going a little bit stroke crazy, and you you could hear it at that yeah. point. And that was fun. I had a good had a good time. Yeah. So that was a plan to return with the podcast. I mean, there will always be podcasts where people not everyone's on, but I was hoping we'd return. But then, um, Shay did himself in too early with vodka sodas today. He bought a carton. <laughs> he discovered canned vodka sodas. Bought a carton of them in to prepare for the pod, and then uh, over overindulged, and then. Matt is a teacher, so he's starting to get prepared for the school year. But he he also did ring me earlier. I think I started telling you before, like. He was ringing me, and I'm like, "What are you ringing me for?" He's like, "I just need you on the phone because I'm gonna try and kill this snake that's in my backyard, and I need you. If it bites me, and I need an ambulance, I need you on the line in case I'm yelling out for it." I was like, "Well, you probably shouldn't be doing this, but because he, he's also just had yes. a, he's had knee recovery. You can't say that's the most Australian thing I've ever heard before <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, the phone call. I wish I, I wish I'd like." I was just sitting on the couch watching the game. So if I had the forethought to just record the call, like if I'd known, <laughs> because like he, he's also just had knee reconstruction. So he's out there like, I'm like, yeah. you, you realize you can't move quick if this snake comes at you. Like, because, you know, snakes, are re- like their, their default is to actually get away because they're more scared of you than they are, you know, you are of them, like, that kind of thing. But if a snake gets cornered, then it's going to come at you. And like, I know the layout of Matt's backyard a bit. And I'm thinking if it's in one of these spots, it's going to feel threatened. <laughs> And for about four, three or four minutes, all I can hear is Matt just going, oh, I can't see its head. Oh, no, it's looking at me. And then, like, I can hear, like, crowbars being thrown at it. <laughs> and and just, like, and for a bit, I'm like, hey, bud, you still there? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Then, like, a bunch clattering again. And he's like, nah, it slithered away. It's all good. And he, then he's just like, so yeah. he, he didn't get it? No, no, he didn't get it. This, fr- is, this has been, an, like, a six-month saga of this snake that's living in his, like, 
in his garden. Oh, it's the same one. I so. feel he, like I've seen some snaps. No, yeah. he, he thinks it's the same one. I assume it's the same one. It's just one. And I'm like, it's probably going to be fine. Like, it's not going to, you know, if you you just get a snake, snake catcher out there. But you know, whatever. Anyway, he uh, he snake's like, why does this guy keep fucking with me? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to provide. Just out here doing my. Yeah, yeah, just out here doing my snake things and. (laughs) Providing us with my snake family. (laughs) And this guy, (laughs) this guy with a fucking robotic leg is out here throwing shit at me. Um, But anyway, yeah, he finishes the call with, yeah, probably not going to be able to make the pod today. I was like, oh, I'll send the the Zoom link through and if you pop in at any time. But yeah. So yeah, Matt's at Matt's had a day and with, with snakes and. And Shay, Shay, Shay had a day with the vodka soda. So yeah, it is just you and me talking about the NFL today, which means that, um, you know, we can talk about Brady without without having Shay shit on it. Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I hate to say it, I didn't get to see a lot of that game, but uh, man, it sounds like just kind of hearing what happened, and and uh, it didn't sound like the two old guys to, were were necessarily slinging the rock around, but. Uh, you know, like he does, Brady comes out on top. So yeah, yeah, he, he had a uh, a sneak for a touchdown. So it's classic Brady. Yeah, he? I did see that. Yeah, yep. and, he, and he had a couple of passes too. So um, and and he generally there was one one almost interception that was just it wasn't handled right to the end for the completing the catch and all that stuff. But um, yeah, beyond that, like Breeze, it's it was sad to see him finish that way. Um, you know, beyond, yeah, beyond like you're just thinking of his career. Um. Yeah, that was that, but and I can't say the Bucks looked invincible either. Like I think whatever team's getting through, I think the Packers are feeling pretty comfortable. And I guess the the Bucks handled them earlier in the year, so who knows how that matchup's gonna play out? But I just see the Packers as um, I guess a, a, a just seem they seem to be on a trajectory at the moment with how they're playing. Yeah. Um. Well, and that weather that Brady wanted to escape is yeah. gonna <laughs> be the. Yeah, twenty four and snow showers is what they're saying right now. So yikes! Yeah, he, that, th- he thinks it's bad. In, he thinks it's bad in New England. I think it's like you go to the north, you know, mid northwest or whatever, whatever you want to call call it up there in Lambeau. I think that's a that's a new, that's an entirely different level of cold from how I understand hearing about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be cold. Yeah. <laughs> Those old. But hey, I mean, go ahead. Oh, his old forty-three-year-old bones. Uh, yeah, he's he's trying he's trying to retire in Florida, and and he's going to Lambo. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. First on Brady, it was he did look like I think. Um, I guess we can start on that on Brady and the Bucks and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, the narratives with that, I think what something that you and I were probably and and most NFL fans around the league were one of NFL fans in general were wondering going into this year was Brady moving away from New England, what was that going to look like? It was either going to be an absolute shit show and he was going to tarnish whatever legacy you think he has. You know, some people completely disrespect it and some people do acknowledge it for what it is. But um, I think what he's done is he's proved that, um, you know, he's actually throwing the ball deep a little bit more again. So like that narrative about him mm-hmm. last year was like, maybe maybe he can actually do it. And it was just um, New England were, were just not doing that. But um, yeah, I mean, he's... He's take he's in his fourteenth conference uh, title game in in twenty one seasons. He's had like a two thirds. <laughs> it's unreal. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so, crazy. And you know he's taken a team Tampa Bay hadn't won a playoff game since whenever they like, won the Super Bowl in two thousand two or whatever it was. I can't. Um, mm-hmm. So you know he's gone down to uh, and they had the weapons down there, but they weren't getting it together before Brady came down there. And Brady's come down there with his leadership and and obviously his skills, even as a forty three year old that isn't going to be the same player that he was at 30 or 35 and, and even the young buck he was back in the 
uh, winning that on that original run. You know, he's still come down there with the experience and shown that what he has is legitimately um, uh, worthy of the, the title he has as the GOAT in as far as the NFL quarterbacks go because what he did in New England was un- unprecedented and he's gone gone to another team and, and New England weren't good this year. And, um, you know, and I don't think that does anything to tarnish Belichick's legacy. It's just is what it is with coach, no. coaching and, and, and turnover with players. But I think, you know, he's gone down... Brady's gone down there with the weapons he has, and they've they've made it figured it out because they had to figure it out across the year. It wasn't perfect throughout the year, and it still isn't perfect. No, but he's he's gone to a new team after twenty years in one place with one coach. He's gone to a new team and just and figured it out, which is um, I think is uh, commendable. And, and and he's and he's in the final four, as if you want to put it that way again. So um, that's uh, I think that's a win for him, no matter what go happens going forward. I think it just proves that his skill and 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 his level as a player and his ability to make it work um, because, you know, the amount of different systems he played with in New England was one thing, whether it be gone from that original run to, you know, the Randy Moss era and then to the dink and dunk stuff they're doing a bit later on. Like, it's just, you know, he's he, he's changed multiple times throughout his career and I think this, this Tampa Bay one was the ultimate test as to, you know, breaking up the Bill and Brady partnership and I think it was really... It was... um. Yeah, it was the battle of the old quarterbacks today, and, and he came out on top, yep. and, he, and, he, and he looked fine. Like, you know, he's not the same guy he was, but he still had his, his quarterback sneaks for at one point for a, uh, to convert a fourth down and, and for a touchdown, and then and was reasonably consistent with his passing today, too. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed a lot of things there, of course. And Well, first of all, it, now I'm seeing conflicting things. Originally, before the game, I saw, like, oh, this is Breeze's last – hurrah if they lose tonight or you know this is his last run uh and now i'm seeing oh no decision on on retirement so we'll see i think he retired but Mm. yeah you know i think brady pulled the shoot at the exact right moment uh, as we all saw uh for better or for worse he pulled the shoot at the right moment on new england Mm -hmm. uh they were they were a dumpster fire this year and and you know part of it a is it, like you said, they they had been mortgaging the future for so long there that it, it's finally finally catching up, and they're they're the cupboard is pretty bare, if you will. Mm-hmm. Also, though, they had what like seven, eight, nine. I don't know how many, but they had quite a few COVID opt outs, which people yeah. forget that that was a thing before. There were there were a good few handfuls of folks that didn't play this year because they're just like, <laughs> and maybe when this is all said and done, maybe they're the the wisest ones of everybody. They're like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm just going to take this year off and like chill out and whatever, you know, keep training or whatever. But so, and then Cam obviously wasn't uh, the answer. And I like Cam. I think he gets a really bad rap in, in the media and everything. And because uh, people maybe just don't jive with his fashion stuff and all that, which I, I think I, is I, great. I, like I, I don't. I had fun with it this year myself as a, as a Pats yeah. fan. I was enjoying it. And like, yeah. and I guess for you and I, it's a particularly unique thing because we, we hated that guy back in 2010. Um, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. Kind oh, of rolling back to, the, back to the Ducks discussion. So it's kind of full circle for me watching Cam. Dyer was down. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep well, that'll, that'll, that'll just be a theme forever on this podcast. But yeah, like Cam as a person and a, a human being, he's, he's fine. He's a, he's a unique, unique guy. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, continue. But he yeah, just, yeah. he's gotten beaten in. Like he, he do just, uh, it sucks to, to see. Like on the football field, all the other shit aside, whatever, on the football field, he was tremendous. So much fun to watch. It always has been. And, and he's a shell of himself now. And, yeah. you know, he's gone through some major injuries and things. So, um, but yeah, like you said, with, with the back to the, the Bucks, obviously the, you know, Bill, 
if he wants to be in this for the long haul, sorry, I'll close up on the Pats there. Bill, if he wants to keep riding this thing out, he'll he'll turn that shit around and he'll they'll be they'll be back. I mean, you know, they're never going to be what they were for that run there, that dynasty. Uh, but you bet you bet they'll be back in as a contender. But but yeah, you nailed it. Like the things weren't perfect in Tampa Bay to start. Uh, it, you know, Arians and and Brady have such different. Oh, just standing clock. Uh, uh, but those two have such differing um, sort of mentalities, I guess, or game plans that that they uh, um, that they operate. That it took some time, but you see, I think they're coming to the middle. I think there was probably an internal struggle for a while. Like Brady came in and like this is how I play. This is how we're going to play. Like short, shorter dink and dunks and all that. I've got these weapons that can take the ball and just go. Arians is more push the ball down the field. Um, but I feel like they're kind of meeting in the middle now and, and seemingly at the right moment. Like, um, and who knows what will happen, you know, next week. But uh, either way, it's 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 impressive what he's done. Um, and I, I don't, you know, while I sit here and say I think Breeze maybe is, is done or should be done, and that's so, again, a guy sitting here in my PJs, that's easy to say. But mm. – uh, it just kind of feels like it, I, but it, at the same time, it, it really sucks to see him walk off the field tonight with, with no fans, basically, for all he's done for that city. I mean, he's been there for you know we for you know Katrina, and there were a lot of there were a lot of tough times in that city. You know, we've all gone through tough times this year, but that city has gone through some really tough periods of time themselves, mm-hmm. just just isolated themselves, and he was there and part of that and. And, you know, you know, he's, he's not perfect and he's done some things that I don't agree with, but at the same time, he's been a really great, a great representative and leader for the NFL in a lot of ways. And, and especially for New Orleans for a long time. And so to see him like leave and, you know, a losing, but Hey, that's, that's sports. Like you're not going to win your last game. Most people don't. Uh, but the fact that he leaves an empty stadium and, and kind of looks back up at the stadium, like that, that's, you don't want to see that. That sucks. So but for on the field, I, th- I think he needs to be done. But I, I can't say the same for Brady. Like they're just getting into this thing. Their their run may end next weekend, but uh, I, you know, I, I don't think they're anywhere near done. I think next year they'll be right back. You know, assuming you know he does. He's so insane with his body, the way he takes care of his body, that there's no reason to think he's not going to keep doing what he's doing. Again, he's not like you said. He's not what he was when he was 35 or even when he was 40 for God's sake, but he still got that knowledge. Like if I'm in a game like tonight, you know, 2020 in the fourth quarter to 2020 yikes. Uh, but fourth quarter tie game, let's say that that's much, sounds much better. Um, (laughs) I'll take him and his experience and his dry, you know, he just, so they're, they're far from over, but I think one of the interesting questions there for you that I have for you there is if, if breeze is done, like Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. For some reason, he keeps trying to force Taysom Hill down our throats, even though it's pretty clear he's not a core. I know he played pretty well when he started, but boy, Winston, what it sounds like came out. And again, I didn't see really, I saw highlights of the game, but it comes out and throws a 54 yard touchdown. Like, and boy, Winston, when, they, when Breeze got hurt in that game, came in and sure looked good. Like, which way do they go? If Breeze does retire, which way do they go? Like, that, boy. That, they got a little. They got a battle there. Seems like. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like you said, it seems Taysom Hill seems to be Peyton seems to like he's either got some photos of Peyton or it's um mm-hmm. just <laughs> um 
Exactly. Yeah, because Winston. I mean, that pass that Winston did make, like it was a, it was a great, you know, great little bit of trickery. And um, you know, I watched it and thought, man, it harkened back to me when I was watching, you know, when the Pats would do the, uh, you know, the Julian Edelman pass down to Denny Amendola in, in the comeback against the Ravens back a few years ago. But and like mm-hmm. when I saw that play, I was like, oh, that could be the 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 um, momentum turner, but it didn't end up being that way because Breeze just couldn't carry the carry it throughout the game because of just you know whatever it was. And the Bucks defense played reasonably well at times too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah um, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, I, that's I didn't see Winston earlier in the season, so I can't say how he looked myself. But um, you know, who knows with Peyton and whether he goes out and tries to get another quarterback completely, because I, I don't think Winston's got it in him to be a elite a f- quarterback for the future. As, as good as he, I think his time has passed, kind of like um, unfortunately as fun, fun as the Mariota Herbert Bowl was earlier yeah. earlier this year, I think Mariota's his time as as trying to be the the front end of a franchise is over and Winston is the same. He's going to be a, a serviceable quarterback, a backup in the role he's played. But um, <laughs> Taysom Hill isn't the future either. So I think I think you're going to see the Saints kind of enter that. What the Pats did this year was, was sign a free agent quarterback with you know, a former MVP kind of thing and see what happens. But they're going to have to start looking to the, dra- the draft and picks and, and, and mm-hmm. probably they're just going to end up – end up in that rebuilding cycle and then, you know, hope, you know, Peyton's there for the long haul to see if he can roll it back again and do it and go down the same road again and be a contender again with someone new that they find or if they, you know, you know, who knows if anyone will ever, you know, the the Broncos a few years back when, you know, Peyton Manning suddenly became available, they, they got a Super Bowl out of just grabbing it, being opportunistic in that sense too. So, but I, I guess to answer, uh, that's not an answer, but to answer your question, I don't hear Taysom and, and Jameson are not the answer, right? Neither of them are. Do they go into next year? With, mid- they probably go into oh, next year with, with both of them, maybe, and maybe they try, maybe they play a little bit quarterback by, by committee like the Ducks did late in the season. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's not really a way to go forward either, but whether you, yeah. Um, you do need to have someone that's defined as a starter because otherwise it just ruins the whole kind of flow. But yeah, I don't, I don't see any of those two being the future. So the next question is, do they rebuild through the draft again or do they try to find someone? Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you always got, you know, you got Philip Rivers who suddenly moves from, and I'm not that I'm saying Rivers is, he's got good longevity, but he's not going to be, he's not, I don't never look at Rivers as good, but um no. Yeah, uh, you know whether they look for one of those guys, you know guys that's you know thirty to thirty five that's maybe out of contract at one team and and they pick up someone. Yeah, for the next, yeah, yeah. I think Who Stafford knows? and Ryan, Matt Ryan, are probably on their way, ways out. New coaches. I was trying, yeah, to, think so so I was those... trying to think of some names and it was blanking, but you just named two that like you know you could pick yeah. them, you could pick them up and they're both, you know, Matt Ryan's a former MVP and Stafford. Yeah, who knows? I like, take Stafford. Yeah. I take Stafford. He's been in a shithole organization for his whole career. Like, yeah. I think that guy, if he would have been on a good organization, he might have won a, a trophy or two. I think. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's probably the road forward if you because you're finding a quarterback in a draft is um unless you got a top pick in a year like you know that's got a generational guy like an Andrew Luck or you know a Trevor Lawrence maybe this year I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's very rare that, like, you know, they, that year that Jameis and Mario and, and Marcus went into the league was, um, you know, they went one and two, and most people were thinking they could be, but neither of them really hit those heights. So it's, it's, yeah, you don't, you know, it's I, true. Don't, I don't think you ever want to trade for a, a number one pick in a draft. And like Andrew Luck was probably a sure thing, and I'm trying to think of other examples. Like I remember Andrew Luck was just, he just seemed assuredly. I remember the year. Yeah. 
I remember the year that Matt Barkley before that was it. Matt Barkley's third year before he was um a senior, like people were almost guaranteeing he was going to be a success, and then he's he's done fuck all. So um, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 a it's a very um risky thing to try to re to grab a quarterback in the draft and hope they'll be the next ten years. So um it might be the move. For I don't. I don't think you're prying that pick away from old Urban Meyer either. I think he's going to yeah, take Lawrence and. I'm I'm not sold that Lawrence is going to be an amazing NFL quarterback, but I wasn't sure Justin would be either. And goddamn, look what he did! So yeah, well, that's it. And that's, you look at the um, you know, Deshaun. You know, you know, there's gonna there's a sore point for you, but Trubisky was picked ahead of some pretty talented quarterbacks too. So it's motherfucker. Oh. like I mean, two of the best. <laughs> fucking fucking Mitchell Trubisky. Or maybe God. maybe you go out and have a second chance at trying to grab Deshaun in this current situation at the moment, but um Yeah, that's a good one too. He's by all accounts he's out. He is not going to play for the Texans again, so. Yeah. Cuz I think I do think the Saints have the roster. I I, I hate to say it cuz you know, he's like I've already said with Breeze, but I I do think they're a they're a, a half decent quarterback away from they're a good team. So, uh Boy, Deshaun would be an interesting one. I want the Bears to get Deshaun, but I know they won't because, mm. as is the case the last two years, Trubisky did just enough at the end for people to be like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> no, there's no, there's no fucking maybe about this. It's let's 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 move on. Let's come on. We you, you made a mistake. Let's admit it and move on. Come on. But <laughs> enough about that. I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move on swiftly. Um, I did, I did, I did reply. Someone said, I did just to briefly finish on the Houston thing. Someone said today, like, oh man, what a rough time for Houston at the moment. And I was just like, well, this is karma for the fact that their baseball team abhorrently cheated blatantly. Yeah. blatantly and instead of accepting it, came out and said, fuck you. Yeah, we cheated. We don't, we're not going to apologize for it. I was like, well, you yep. guys, you guys losing Harden and Deshaun Watson in this matter of two weeks is to me is karma for that because you've they've still got that they've still got that world series title so um shit that's brutal i didn't even think about they're losing those two guys <laughs> shit that is brutal <laughs> but i saw someone was just like man think about the fans in houston i'm like no most of the fans in houston were just continually going on a fuck you tirade against everyone it was like your team in that world series was like blatantly cheating so i'll you know you can take you can yeah and i'll never have sympathy for a rockets fan so let me get <laughs> out of here with that yeah um yeah, uh, moving on to so I guess uh, finishing up. I do you see that, like the Packers to me just seem to be on a trajectory towards like everything seems to be just moving nicely for them at the moment. Um, I I see Rogers just seems to be happy, which is the big probably the big issue the yeah. last few years of um yeah I'm blanking on Mike McCarthy's tenure McCarthy there. yeah yeah um he seems to be happy there he seems to be um his body seems right which has been an issue over the last few years too and you, mm-hmm. never, you never know when he's going to be another knock away because just he's that unique kind of um quarterback that does move around a little bit more than um, we typically think of a guy like Rogers uh, build to do but um yeah and then they've got like the the positional players are playing really well too so I just feel like they're on that trajectory that I remember seeing teams like when Belichick had a team that was just pairing along nicely like that just always seem to inevitably find their way to a Super Bowl. What's amazing to me is I saw the stat today. This is um, Rogers out of five trips to the NFC title game. It's his first one at home. Yep. Yeah, that's, first one at Lambeau. I, couldn't, I did not realize that until I saw it. I was just like, that's unreal. Like, even the, you know, the run that he had 10, was it 10 years ago? They went last one. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nuts that this is his first chance to win it at home, which ironically in front of less fans than would normally be. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a shame that he'll win it. Finally, gets to play one in front of and the Bills too. I know they like not to tangent away from the Packers, but they know, <clears throat> you know, this all sucks for everybody, and we all wish everything was normal. But you know, the Bills finally, finally getting some some fun times, some real times. And they had some fans in there and boy, were they loud for the few amount they had in there. Holy shit. They were rocking. And I thought I got a kick out of that. Um, but yeah, it is a shame. And it was kind of shocking to hear. You just think of the, you know, but I guess, you know, I guess I can count them. They were in Seattle twice uh, for NFC championships. And I think we're, were in San Francisco once, you know, so I don't, it, so it was surprising to hear that, but I guess you think back and the Packers kind of always have been that team. That's like, well, they're pretty good, but they don't, they're not winning, you know, they don't win the NFC in the regular season or whatever, like they did this year. So uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think, boy, they have a, uh, you know, usually you hear people say they have a teams have a two headed monster at running back. They have a three headed run. They're a rookie kid. That's third string for them. God, he's formidable. I, there's, I think there's a lot of teams that are sitting home at home right now being like, man, I wish we had him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got three good running backs. They have got, obviously, Devontae Adams is top three or four wide receiver in the league to me. Um, maybe number two, just behind Hopkins, in my opinion. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best ever and, and definitely one of the best of the modern age. And then, you know, the, even their role guys, like the, they've got a great offensive line. So uh, a lot of good little, you know, I say little, but a lot of other receivers like that don't necessarily get the hype that Adams does but that, that do their job and they've got a good tight end. So I, I don't see, you know, I, I think tonight was with the Bucks and the Saints was a battle for, I, no matter who won, I, in my opinion, I thought it was a battle for who's going to go lose it at Lambeau. But you know, that's why they play the games, though. You never know what's going to happen. But, yeah, I'd say it was the Packers for sure. And and then not to spill into too many other games, but we'll depending on what happens next week, you know, I don't know how the exact details of how concussion protocols work in the NFL, but, um, you know, a, a Chiefs team three weeks from now against the Packers, the State Farm Bowl, uh, that would be interesting. And I, I think on paper, I'd, I'd – you know, if you asked me before the weekend, I think I would have said no matter what, it's the Chiefs. But I just – I think it was just a texting with you guys today. Like the Chiefs, they can't cover the spread, which means nothing to wins and losses. I understand that. But they just let teams, good or bad, hang around. And, you know, they're favored by 10 here or 7 here, 6 here. And they never cover that spread. And, I, you know, I think if it was a healthy Mahomes and the, the, we do get the State Farm Bowl that – I think they'd be favored. I think the Chiefs would probably be favored by five or six, but the Packers are not a team you want to let be around. If you're not covering spreads, it means you're letting teams hang in and, and, Mm -hmm. and have a shot like Cleveland did today with it, with or without. And again, I didn't, I didn't get to see the last few minutes of that game, unfortunately, but you know, they didn't, um, you know, it's not like they put away, even when uh, Mahomes was in the game, they hadn't put Cleveland away fully yet still. So, I mean, let's talk. I think right, like right now, it's it's Packers. But go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say today, like you know, the the storyline from today's game becomes Mahomes got concussed and then Henny came in and closed the game. But yeah, like you said, they they were letting Cleveland hang in that moment, whereas Higgins it reached across the line and and um, had the ball knocked out before it crossed the plane. 
Mahomes was in the game yeah. at that point. That was that was when the game was Mahomes versus Mayfield and 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 the rest of yep. obviously the rest of the squad. So like that game because I think when he if he scores there it becomes sixteen ten and 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 there's yeah and Cleveland were putting a good together a good drive and Baker was actually start he started he grew grew into the game a bit. Um, he forced some late and that's where where I think it was a pick. Um, but. You know, Baker was starting to sling some and make some rip passes that were kind of Mahomes-esque on his own end. So, um, and they're you know the tight end and, and the receivers were making some big catches. So, you know, if they if they get that touchdown there, and you know who knows how that game goes from there. I still think I just think the Chiefs are one of those teams that's good enough that they they find a way. But you you're right when you're not covering spreads uh, consistently, and it's, and it's been the story this year is there's been some team some. Some teams, while they've maybe scored thirty-eight or forty themselves, the other teams scored, you know, twenty-five to thirty themselves, and it's like so they're not they're yeah. letting, they're letting teams, you know, drive and score. Um, you know, they're not holding teams to three. At, you know, some low. So when you got a team as talented as um, the Packers on the other side, um, with their offensive weapons and Roger, and like I said, they just seem to be grooving right now. They're like that's, that's mm-hmm. a dangerous matchup for the Chiefs if they're, they're going in as favorites. Now that's discounting everything that like we're always looking, uh, but you know if the Bills go in against uh, go to Arrowhead next week um, with Henny starting, that's a you know Josh Allen's having a big year, the Bills are having a big year. Um, everyone kept on saying when are we going to see the Bills fall apart, but then they go on they Monday night they beat the Steelers down and down at the Steelers I think, and they go for another Sunday night game they get another win like just through the year they just kept on getting the wins that people thought. They were like, oh no, the Bills will turn up and they they'll they'll fall apart here, but they never did. And now they're in the AFC title game, and and if they're facing Mahomes, I think. But Henny had his big, you know, Henny had some big moments tonight. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Henny's got to go into a game, and and that's not discounting Henny, but he's 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 obviously like it's not. I don't don't think it's any sign of disrespect to say obviously he's not Mahomes. So that is an equalizer when he, when you're coming up against the Bills side that does have a young Josh Allen who. Is a dynamic in a way that um, you know he's he's adept on his feet and with and passing and and ha- and they've been having a career year and they're 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 a kind of squad that's quietly pairing like you know the Rogers and the Packers are really you know loudly pairing along because of the Packers and the, the history and Buffalo's always been yep. Buffalo's been in um, New England's shadow for twenty years and now that Brady's left they've suddenly been able to pop out and party and and people just seem <laughs> to be continually discounting them and um, not to not to put any mockers on him, but it kind of feels like, you know, Leicester back in, in, in the pre- I always go back to Premier League because it's something yeah, I watch so yeah. much that I can find parallels, but it's like, and I'm not saying that the Bills are, like, you know, at, at a certain point it was just like, oh, no, Leicester can win this. And it's a different thing because it's points accumulation in the Premier League, whereas it's just games. But they do seem to be continually underrated, but they keep winning. And now they're suddenly in the final four and coming up again, going down there. And then when you add in the added, who knows what where Mahomes is at, but I saw some stat about concussion protocols. Is that you know coming back within a week from if he does indeed have a concussion of significance, then it's hard to see Mahomes being back if yeah if they're doing the right thing by concussion protocols. If he does have a significant concussion, then he probably shouldn't be playing next week. And if Henny's in, then do you make buff like do I mean the Arrowhead Arrowhead will have a crowd unfortunately. Um, as far as what what should happen with um, pandemics and whatnot, but um, so there will be that. But I I can see the Bills going down there and winning if if you if you're throwing if you if Mahomes going to be sitting there in um, street clothes, then that's a massive change to the 
to the whole dynamic of it. Yeah, and I mean, it, I think it's people quickly forget that the Bills finished thirteen and three, and they were a, a, a hail Murray away from being fourteen and two. And I don't know what the tie break would have been there about if Kansas City and Bills had both finished fourteen and two, but they could have been the they very easily again. That play was incredible. The the play of the year in the NFL, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And but that's that's what kept them from being 14 too. So um, you know, even with Mahomes, I think you got a hell of a game on your hand. I, I gotta say, Josh Allen has probably been, I don't know if I can remember. I'm sure I'm I'm overlooking or not thinking of something or somebody, but like a turnaround in a span of three years in their first three years of their career, like Boy, he did not look like he was an NFL quarterback that first season. Like, I mean, of course he's an NFL quarterback, but like he didn't look like he was a, you know, franchise quarterback. Let's put yeah. it that way. And wow, has he proven everybody, myself included, dead wrong on that. He he's been great, and they're a fun team to watch, and and they're a damn good team. Again, they're they're you know a crazy one out of a thousand play away from being fourteen and two themselves, and 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 having the best record in the NFL. So, uh, without you know. And, and Henny did well and, and came in and filled his role and, and kind of hung on. And, and obviously they'll, per, they'll know and they'll game plan correctly for him going into this matchup. But with or without Mahomes or with, definitely without him, I'm, you know, Buffalo's the favorite, I think, and, and, and maybe by a touchdown even. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things you never, and you brought up Lester and you never want to mess with the team of destiny and, there's something about this Bills team that kind of feels that way that, um, you know, I didn't think I bought in. And clearly the the experts, the pundits, the everybody, they don't buy the Bills because, you know, I bought in. I was swayed myself, guilty of being swayed away from the Bills this weekend and being like, yeah, the Ravens are going to win. Sure, they've been there. They've done this. Even though even though Lamar hasn't necessarily done, you know, how to deep playoff run or anything, you're just like, oh, it's the Ravens. You know, they'll beat the Bills. No, duh. And, and – and boy, that that game wasn't close in my opinion. That was that was a team like it only ended up what uh, twenty to three or fourteen. Three. I can't remember what the final score was, but it was seventeen three. I think it yeah. was a domination. I mean, it was just like this is this these teams are. This looks like a wild card game to me, um, where like two teams just don't match up well. Um, it was a great point. So yeah, that's yeah. Um, sorry, I just yeah. when you're talking about the game. It was a. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. It could have possibly been like a Bill Simmons one or something. They were talking about um, Buffalo and Josh Allen and and the fact that like he comes from the University of Wyoming where he's played like that's mm-hmm. you know you know sub zero temperatures that he's playing in throughout his college career and Lamar. So when I listened to it, like I, I remember thinking, you know, I was probably swayed by you at first. Like, like similarly that oh yeah, no, Lamar's like you know an MVP he should go up to Buffalo and win. But then I remember listening to that podcast. I think it was that one. Um, and thinking, no, they're right. Like Josh Allen has this is he's been drafted to the perfect team if they put the right weapons around him to utilize this because he's he's a you know weather and it's one of the great things about football is like weather really does seem to play. You know, it's one of those things when you get a cold weather, absolutely weather, weather specialists and stuff like that. And you know, I did I remember listening to that podcast thinking, no, you're right. Like you know, maybe maybe we 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 keep sleeping on Adam. Man, I'm a guy that had him in my fantasy team this year, so I even I was like already starting to sleep with him again. It's just like, we just keep, yeah, we keep sleeping on the bills, but they, they keep getting through. So, um, you know, it, it will be, it will be dependent on whether Mahomes is there or not. But then like you, you did say, like, even if Mahomes is there, 
one, Kansas City let Cleveland hang with them today, and everyone thought Cleveland mm-hmm. everyone thought Cleveland was going to have the like let off game and get dominated today, but they actually yes they lost, but they only lost by five in a game that they they probably missed a couple of opportunities, and including that um, fumble out of the end zone with the with the um, and look that should have been a penalty as well. Like we haven't even talked yeah. about that, yeah. but that was leading with the helmet, and <laughs> so. Yeah, they, they yep. missed. There was a few opportunities missed both um, for them. They, you know, if he just if he'd held it across the line, then the penalty doesn't even become a factor. But um, yeah, no, like Kansas City aren't infallible. So you know, both if they if it does end up being the State Farm Bowl, and you know the Packers definitely have a chance. But even before that, whether it's Mahomes or Henny behind center, it's like yeah, the Bills have a chance and a really good chance because they've been really good this year and probably deserve a bit more respect than they've they've been getting. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, in the insurance industry. It was a bad day for Progressive, for Baker. Uh, so who's going to pick up Josh Allen next year? I'm trying to think of a good, you know, State Farm has their guys and Progressive. And, yeah, someone's got to pick up Josh Allen now so we get keep keep these insurance bowls going. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah it, that, that's going to be a fun one. I do hope, I, you know, I hope Mahomes is all right. Obviously, that was a pretty scary yeah, moment yeah. there. Yeah, don't let uh, you guys um, get up like it, that. And it was a weird ta- like we texted about it. It it was a weird tackle. I think Shea was the one said it was like a neck tweak, tweak almost. Like mm-hmm. it it didn't look like he ever really hit his head, but boy, Andy, that was a scary. Andy Reid said in his post match, uh, the press conference after the game that he, he hit the, it was the back of the head. But I was, I still watching the replay. I still don't see a significant huh. hit to the back of the head. But you know the head sensitive. If it's just a, a whiplash kind of thing, maybe I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, he got yeah. He, his head was jostled, and, and you know, it doesn't necessarily always take like he didn't necessarily hit the ground hard, but that guy was racking around his neck like it was you know it was a vicious tackle, and mm. I mean, I, I think it was clean. I, I don't know. It was it's NFL. Who knows these days? But um, yeah, that was that was a weird moment because it, it looked innocent enough, and then all of a sudden he's stumbling like that, and it's like oh shit, this is not good. But mm. but for the game sake, I do hope he's there, and um. You know, it'll be a hell of a battle with or without him, I think, because it's not like Kansas City's just going to roll over and get boat raced, even with Henny in there. Um, well, look, you know, Henny's been around. The- yeah, Henny, what Henny did today, apart from but obviously the pick was a bit um, rough, but then he then he clinched the it was game. was a head scratcher. Yeah, he clinched the game with his feet, and then by that, the, you know, the, the big balls Andy call, but then Henny still had to pull off the play to heal there to clinch that last first down they needed. So, you know, Henny, Henny was yeah. six of eight and, um, and did what he had to do besides the interception, so... Yeah. yeah, and he's a vet. He's, what, 35 years old? He's been in this league that whole, you know, for, for probably 10 years or more. And yeah. so it's not like you're pulling some kid in that's, you know, it's unfortunately for Baltimore, like last night, who he played well, but like, you know, Baltimore is deferring to Huntley, a kid from Utah, rookie out of Utah the other night when, when Lamar goes down. It's like, yikes, you know, they're not they're not doing anything with him. And again, he looked really well, all things considered. He, he did a good job, but uh you know, Henny, bringing in Henny is a little bit different. Like you got a guy that's been in been in NFL film rooms and NFL locker rooms for for 10, 12, 12 years now. Like he knows how to handle himself and he knows how to prepare. So they'll be just fine, and they're a dangerous team with all their weapons. That uh, that they'll be fine. It'll be a hell of a matchup either way. But you know, you'd you'd like to see those two play, and I think Buffalo has a shot either way. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm guilty of sleeping on them. Like you said, I, I've slept on them all year, and. Never quite, bought, never quite bought into it, and I just remember I feel like it was pretty mid-season, and, and I think Tennessee had a little bit extra to play for with they were dealing with some COVID issues and some media backlash and things. But 
uh, I just remember the Bills started hot. You know, they're what six and one or five and one or something like that. Or and they played Tennessee on Monday Night Football and got absolutely boat raced. And and I just remember watching. They just looked like Josh Allen looked bad in that game. They looked bad. And again, at that moment, I wrote them off immediately in my head. I wrote them off. Like, yeah, okay, that's they, they are Denny Green. They are who we thought they were. Um, and you know, then they shut off and have been on fire again. Other than a, a fluke play, and you know, I don't remember who else they lost to, but they've been dominant ever since. And so they just keep shutting idiots like me right up. And so good on them and their team. Like I, I would have to say they're who I'd root for to win this whole damn thing for a personal, just rooting interest. Cause it'd be fun. The bills mafia is fucking crazy. So uh, be good for them. And, you know, I, I got a soft spot for the Packers, even though I'm oddly a bears fan again, it's, it's, it's weird, but my mom's a big Packers fan. So I wouldn't mind them winning for her sake, but, uh, but the bills are, Hey, yeah, that'd be that'd be fun as hell to see them win. So, um, really, at, at this point, geez, as I sit here and say that out loud, I'm like, I'd I'd be fine with three of the four winning at this point, and even the Kansas City. I don't like hate them or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely the fourth four of four of who I'd be rooting for. But the other yeah. three, I'd, there's all there's storylines for each of them that I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I can I can root for that. So yeah, well, I'm sitting here with my Brady Brady. Patriots jersey, so I'm like, it's obviously yeah. like I was just I was just right hard for that guy until he's out of the league, I guess. So like, yeah, of course. But, but at the same time, I'm like yourself. I like if any of these four teams win, I'm not going to really care. Like, um, you know, I was rooting for Cleveland today just because it's, it's wild that they've yeah they they had the season they did, and like I, I remember looking halfway through the season, or maybe three quarters of the way through the season, just being like, oh, what what is the Browns' record? And it was like they were like nine and three or something. I was like, wait, what? Like I just. I remember. Yeah. I remember they'd been winning a lot, but just you, just because in your head you have your own preconceived idea of who the Browns are, and I was like, oh, okay, so they're actually they're actually actually good this year, rather than, um, yeah, it was kind of funny seeing Johnny. Did you see that Johnny Manziel was like got into a massive Twitter Twitter war with um Browns fans after today's game? Because no, just a, he 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 tweeted a a gif of like just you know sipping on a drink and laughing after the Browns lost, and a bunch of just. Twi- Browns fans piled on him and he was just and then he started being like oh you guys read into this too much but then he was biting back at Browns fans so it was obvious that his tweet was about Browns fans then he was like oh everyone's got to grow up and I think I retweeted and said you, you're probably the last person who needs to tell people to grow up because you're the one, yeah. that st- one that started this whole thing and he's he's biting back at fans and saying oh I'm sitting here comfortable in my in this I'm fine like it was super weird but um, it's like good for the Browns that they finally you know whether Baker, like, I don't know where Baker Mayfield, what his ceiling is or where he, he's gone, but he looked good today in a game against the you know reigning MVP and reigning champion of the like you know, sorry, yeah. not reigning MVP but reigning champion and and a former MVP like he Baker looked good today. The Browns ha- hung an arrowhead with a team that um, I mean you said you you bet on a spread that was nine and a half right like they covered yeah and and they probably you know could have they had their chance probably so, should have won yeah yeah. So, you know the Browns are, you know they're a lot better. They, I think, a lot of people expected them to get fucking boat race today. Um, it's what the spread. The spread was what it was, and a lot of people thought that their big win of the season was the one against the Steelers last week. So yeah, you know, yeah, yep. that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's we're almost at two hours now, so we probably should wrap it up. But I did want to ask you about the. This is a complete. This is just a quick tangent, just to finish off and um get a little bit of basketball in here before we finish off. But um, the Harden trade. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah 
How do you think that changes, changes the uh, this season? Because I'm 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 in a bit of two minds about it. Because uh, I I don't know. I I think if they get it together, I think they that they're probably just going to get enough shots shots up to win. They they can they're a legitimate contender now. Even if they, I think they probably were before. But Kyrie being AWOL is weird. But um, yeah, how, how did that sit with you? Um, that's an interesting one. I think I think from on the on the floor. I do think, yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be fine. I think they're a force to the East, if not the, maybe the winners of the East. Cause I, I hate to say it. I just, I don't, I don't believe in the bucks that they can actually do something and close it out. And I don't see Miami like repeating what they've done. Who knows, who knows what Boston's got to offer, but it seems like their Boston's just a hard team to read. I think, mm-hmm. um, but by all accounts, it seems like, you know, the nets are going to be good. I think those three are all very heady, and uh, but I think I think during a regular season they're going to be able to they're gonna they're gonna trounce some people yeah. when all three of them are humming. They are going to absolutely smack some people in the regular season, and they're going to probably win the East or at least be a top two seed in the East. But man, when really push comes to shove and stuff starts to get really intense, I mean, Kyrie and Katie have both been on teams that have won, so they, they've got that going for them, and they do know what it takes, and they do know uh, the sacrifices and things that like a, a roster, a team has to make. But are they are they willing to do it individually? Is Harden willing to do it? I I just don't know. I think the playoffs are going to be really telling and interesting to me, um, but. Yeah, those three together, man. I mean, just three, in my opinion, and I and I know Kyrie's got some issues and things that that you know you don't don't want to root against or anything like that, and and feel bad for the guy in that sense. But but he also makes some very questionable decisions and things, and those three are just super unlikable for me personally, at least. So I just root against them heavily. Uh, I thought about at the, I tried. In fact, I I threw out some 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 jabs to try to get rid of Harden on trade day uh, in our fantasy league. But I, I think from a regular season standpoint, again, I think I'm probably going to be glad that none of those were accepted. Um, and rightfully so. None of them were probably good for the other people, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, look, the one you, yeah. the, the one you offered me was tempting, but like I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a hard, I knew that would be tough playing with the heartstrings on CJ for both of us. So um but it was, it was, yeah, funny. I mean, it was, it was actually the Christian Wood one. Was, I was like, I, he's yeah, he's getting me points. Try was, to try to sneak that one in there. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it was uh, tempting, but, but I was just like, I got to, I got to, I got to stick to my guns for the moment. But um, now that CJ's out with a day to day, do you want to do this? just straight straight swap for Harden? I'll do it. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, fucking Blazers. Everybody's hurt. Let's yeah. just. Oh, they, they, nowadays, especially this year in college basketball, it's not like you can be like, oh, let's tank. Who knows what the fuck's coming out this year? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If I'm if I'm brutally honest, I don't know what the hell to make of that trade. I, I I mean, clearly Houston had to do it. I think Houston came out better for it. Good for them. They got Elder Depot out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And, man, if they're three, if they're three can stay healthy, which is a, is a tall order for those three, unfortunately. But – um boogie shout out chat uh wall and and Ola depot if those three are healthy man that's a damn good formidable team not to mention wood in there and like you know they got it themselves a little i mean they're probably not contending for the western conference final 
or, or like championship, but, but damn, that's a team that's going to give some people some trouble again, if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got all those draft picks, which, you know, I think most of them are going to end up in the teens or twenties. Uh, who knows what the hell six, I mean, there's draft picks go out like eight years. So who knows what they're going to look like in you eight know, years or seven got, years. If you've got a Brooklyn pick in like, 2027 that uh, you know and yeah and Brooklyn that could bo- be the number two pick yeah because brooklyn <laughs> could bottom out after like the what, what three to four years you're all these guys are out of contract at the moment like it's like yeah yeah they could you know if they get it if they get a title or they don't or flames out like those picks could be you know it, it is that's kind of the deal they've made is like they're hoping that maybe some of these later later down the track picks will be um worth something but yeah exactly they're not going to benefit them immediately because those would be in the twenties or teens. But yeah, who knows in five or six NBA in five or six years? Who who the, who the hell knows? Look at where the Warriors are. You asked somebody four or five years ago what the Warriors are going to be doing in twenty twenty one. Like oh well, they're going to be going to win a championship because you know you just can't foresee things like you know, contracts and injuries and things like that. You know that's just tough to foresee. So who knows what they're going to be like? But good on good on Houston for shipping that idiot out of there. He's he's a He's a cancer, it seems like, and it's just one of those things. Like, how long can those three egos last in the nets and peacefully last? And I, they got some history and stuff, so I think it'll work for a while. Mm-hmm. But and I, I just, I don't know who's the leader, who's the who's the ball in their hand at the in the end of the game. Uh, and and I think sometimes that kind of question is overblown in the media, but also there's. There's also there's a reason why people always ask it. So, yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if I really don't think it's going to work or if my heart doesn't want it to work. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think it's a little bit of both. I, I just I just I have a hard time seeing them win an NBA championship. I think they'll be a really good team. I don't think they're going to win an NBA championship though. Mm. So yeah i i kind of agree but then i'm also like i think if they can just get it to they, all they need to do is get it together for one year for it to be considered a success so um yes that's true. Why i'm just true. like they're talented enough to if they can just put their egos because you know kevin durant like from all hearings that you hear from since he left golden state is that he actually didn't end up enjoying the golden state experience as much as he thought he would because he realized he wasn't you know that was steph curry's team and he even though durant was the out and out mvp of both of the finals they won together it was like the narr- narrative is still about Curry, and that's probably what led him to leaving and um, the disintegration of the relationship with Steve Kerr and all that stuff. But they still made it work to win some cha- a couple of championships, you know? Yeah. Like they dominated yep. those two years, and, and Cleveland never really had a chance with Durant and on that team, whereas the two previous finals were obviously one-on-one with um, Cleveland. If they'd been fit that first year, maybe maybe the Warriors don't even have a title until Durant arrives. Um, so... But they still made it work, and and uh, and they were still probably pretty. They probably still get along. But Durant's an interesting character. But uh, it seems like Durant and Harden. I mean, they've got a relationship from you know ten years previous, and uh, so and I assume that they wanted to play together. With you know, you know, regardless of what you think about um, you know tampering, what those two guys were chatting and making it work, and and Kyrie is just an enigma at this point. Um, you know, he's a guy that left. Maybe they trade him. Yeah, I, I I don't know what what's going on with him, but like he left Cleveland thinking he wanted to be the alpha, and then he didn't seem to like it at Boston. So who know he might just fall into line for at least six months, you know, because he they made it work for that one season in Cleveland where he he they you know are yeah. a couple there, and you know maybe they make it work for this year, and with this year being weird and with back to backs where you got to rest guys, maybe having the third guy to be able to you know you can rest one of them here and there on back to backs, and and especially with yeah. The, 
your aging guys because Harden's at body's actually been reasonably durable for his career. You know, his minutes played and his stat, like, you know, he, he's a durable guy. And, you know, Durant's obviously mm-hmm. just superhuman and come back from a major catastrophic injury and seems to look the same again, which is unreal. And then Kyrie has his issues, but when he plays and is buying in, he he's good. Yeah, so, he's incredible. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a dynasty, but I think they could. I if things fall in the right way, they certainly do have it in them to just piece it together to get one run together. I think, and that's what I think Brooklyn's going for because they. It's it's amazing to me that Brooklyn, in the space of a decade, have made two two of the biggest trades in NBA history. Like you had the Garnett and Pierce one, or mm-hmm. uh, eight nine years ago, and that was uh, they shipped out everything for that one, and then they somehow made got themselves in a position to do it again <laughs> this year. Um, that's a great point. Yeah, that is that is nuts. I hadn't thought about that. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a bit of history there and on that side, but then and, and the fact that they actually built themselves up to have some good young talent and then decided to they've definitely gone fuck it. We're going to go again here and and the thing with the NBA and it's a unique league in the sense that it is so, so dominated by five to ten players that are, are significant enough in every every year that. If you have a chance to get Harden and you've and how the fact that they're in a position to have Durant and Kyrie Irving and then they're like we can go out and get James Harden too you you do it like at this point because yep. they're, they're Morgan yep. they're Morgan they're then it's now or never for Brooklyn they're not going to have you know Durant's what thirty one now I think thirty two uh, uh, Irving's and a banged up thirty one yeah. yeah and 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 he's a banged up thirty one somehow playing unreal basketball still. And that's just because Durant, yeah. Durant's like a completely different body to Le- LeBron, but as far as his superhuman ability is like, you know, very, uh, he has that LeBron aura about him, even if he's a lot more injured than LeBron. But yeah, he's, a, he's, that team is now and ever. Like they, they, they mortgage their future as soon as they, as soon as they um went out and got Durant and Irving. So I think the fact that they could go out and get Harden was like, it's, whether it comes together is one thing, but I think it was like if they had the chance to do it, they had actually. They I don't think they had a choice at this point with what they've done already. They they want to win now, and if they don't win now, then they're gonna they might be shit for ten years. But then we we might we said yep. that we as some people already said that when they went out and got Garnett and Pierce ten years ago too. So they've done it again, so and they, they have been shit for the last ten years. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, but they, but who would have thought they would have gone out and got. A couple of the couple MVP. They've got two MVPs on their uh, from the last five years on their team. You wouldn't, yep. no one would have ever bet on that, you know, after they did the KG and all that deal. So, yeah, but I think they had to do it once they had those guys. They've 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 committed to now, and if they don't win a championship now, it'll be it's it's obviously a failure. But I don't think they had any other choice once they'd already gone started the started the road they had with Durant um, once they signed those guys. So, yeah, yeah, they had to do it. You're right. They had to do it, and they they. Uh, I mean. It was a good deal for both sides, honestly. At the end of the day, I think it really was because that wasn't going to work out with James staying in, in Houston anyway. So well, that, that they was, got something out of him. That's a whole so. other thing. Like that 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 game against the Lakers and then his press conference. It's just like Jesus Christ. Like that was him. That 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 end to his time in Houston was embarrassing. Like, yeah, it would be sucky to have been a Houston fan. Like just thinking from a fan side point of view, like to have been a Houston fan buying into this Harden thing for eight nine years now, and and for it to end like that, just um, I don't know, human side. In in a snap, it yeah. seemed like it just all of a sudden he was over, and he's like, "Fucking, I'm out of here," and just like, "Dude, fuck you." Yeah, and to be honest, like it, it, his history at the moment, um, you know, everything ahead of us is unknown, but 
His history at the moment is a multitude of uh, playoff flameouts where the storyline yep. is what the fuck happened to Harden. You know, so like, yep. unfortunately, I don't think his his time in Houston's gonna be um yeah is gonna be remembered flawed because he got he got an MVP and his his regular seasons were unreal. But then when he got to the playoffs, when the push comes to shove, you know, like that Clippers comeback, you know, like all those moments where he's on the bench with the towel over his head and all those like it's just like that that is what we remember. So. Narrative. He didn't accomplish shit in Houston. Oh. I mean, yeah, you said he got he got an MVP, but they didn't even make an NBA Finals. So, like, what are you doing here? Like, uh, yeah, I'm if I'm a Houston fan, I'm I'm bitter about that. I get like you've touched on that. Screw Houston fans, but uh, <laughs> there is there's plenty yeah, of that, out there, obviously. So, yeah. of course, yeah, and that's a tough pill. That's a tough pill for them to swallow. Like. Uh, yeah, and it all comes back. We can put a bow on it with, you know, I don't know if we'll ever win a championship here but in Portland, but God damn it, are we not lucky to have – and we we touched on this during the Harden stuff because at one point the Blazers were in the Harden, Harden sweepstakes. And, yeah. and I, always, I always bag on the Blazers because they just don't make a move ever. There's just never that big move like Toronto did a couple years ago to just like you maybe mortgage your future a little bit and take a swing and just try. And – Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I just feel like the Blazers always play it safe. So in my head, I was like, I can't sit here and shit on a a possible Harden trade. But at the same time, like I said to you, it's like, screw that. Like, maybe we won't ever win a championship. But boy, do we have like two grade A dudes in Dame and CJ here. Mm -hmm. And... Like, yeah, sure, I'd, I'd like a couple more runs to, like, the Western Conference at least, maybe a run to the finals or something. Like, Because I do think that's in them. I'm just not sure a championship is in this team and this trio or duo of, of stars we have right now. But in the NBA, not many teams get to win, especially in the NBA, and there's not the parity you see in, like, the N- NFL or even MLB and things like that. So maybe we should all just be happy that we have two awesomely entertaining basketball players like they're both incredible and they're both good dudes and so far obviously like you said the future's in front of us still but like so far they've never done anything to fuck over portland or act like they want to fuck over portland in the long run especially dame just like he seems like he'll do anything to stay here and win one Mm -hmm. but even if we don't win it like i need to and i'm talking to myself right now like i need to just appreciate what we have because Man, there's so many other fan bases that have these stars and these great players they love watching, and these then these stars to shit on their city and team and just bail at the first moment's notice. And uh, we're pretty lucky to have two special guys on the floor, off the floor in the community, and just just the things they say and do, how they carry themselves. We're we're really lucky to have those two. And uh, so you know, winning a championship is everything. But and this is such a like a a, a team that's not going to win thing to say, but. Maybe it's not everything also, like especially in a league where it's so goddamn impossible for a small small team like us to win that be happy with what we got. And, hey, maybe one of these years it'll click and it'll happen. And, oh, my God, the city will burn in a good way, but um, yeah. in a different way than it, it has been, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, it uh, we're really lucky to have those guys. That, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think I said to you guys, I think in that text thread that um... – you know what, what? What we've got to hope for at, at Portland is, um, you know, maybe something come together like that Dallas 2011 run. Um, yeah, you know, the Dirk yeah. was there for what 
13, 14 years before that, or maybe only 10 years, I can't remember mm-hmm. who drafted, but like, um, you know, things just fell together with a group of vets and, and, and a couple of the guys that have been there for their whole careers just getting their form at the right time. And maybe that's what Portland hopes for. And I think that's what they were kind of swinging for with the, the moves they made this season is like, yeah, a couple yeah. of, like, you know, Derek Jones Jr. and Covington was like a couple of talented guys that can offer something. And if it all falls together right with, um, you know, Melo as well signing on again and obviously CJ and Dame, we don't need to say anything more about. Um, it's already fallen apart a bit with Nurkic's injury, but, you know, that's what, that's what the Blazers are kind of, they're in that, they're in that um, area of a smaller market team that that's the kind of run you're trying to build for. You're never going to be the, the Lakers and Celtics and, and the Knicks inexplicably who, who still could attract it if they had a different owner and stuff like, you know, they're not a big market. So Mm -hmm. it is what it is, but yeah. Touching on what you said and to wrap it up a little bit about the Houston versus like, you know, the appreciation of who you've got. Yeah, you look back at Houston's the playoffs. It's like God, what memory, good memories do they have? Like you look at, ironically, the Blazers. Like Dame, like back in 2014 when Dame hits that three pointer to win the series against Houston. Harden's watching on. Like yeah. they've got more better, probably playoff memory. I mean, we've been blown out in the the you know some series we went through to guys, but the Warriors, mm-hmm. well, the Warriors series, like uh, they blew us out in the second halves. But we were like, we. Sh- you know, if we'd been able to manage games a little bit better, we were competitive um, for games in those series. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had some good, you know, that Oklahoma City, like obviously that, um, you know, we've got we've got some great memories. Like, and I don't think the Houston fans, with all their time with Harden, apart from the MVP and some great regular season matchups, they don't have any of that. So it's, no, it's you're dead on. It's just interesting when you go back in hindsight and look at narratives and how fan bases appreciate and, and deal with, their own like you know their expectations because because we as blazers fans it's just it is what it is we 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 have high expectations but we temper temper them with knowing what the situation we're in is whereas houston realistically should have they should have won a championship with harden and and the moves they're making they got chris ball and they got west but they were good they were trying to make it work and it just never did and so yep we're, we're, yeah, I I never thought would have thought I'd say I'd come out of the decade of Harden at Houston. What we're, what we've had as Blazers fans say I I appreciate our experience more. But in hindsight, now that Harden's pissed off and bailed and what it, what he's done, it's like it's crazy to think that we've had a better ten years as fans. Like now that when you look back on it, yeah, that is so dead on. Yeah, that, that, I couldn't say it better myself because yeah, there's even that you know people forget because of the OKC series was so epic, especially the way it ended, but. That Denver series, holy shit, that yeah. was a smash out. That was a hell of a series and it was a proud – that's one that you're proud your team won. There was no moment, I don't feel like, that was just like – again, like that OKC shot a damn. Like, there's no moment in that that Denver series that just stands out. But it a is trick. a series. That I mean, was a battle. Like, that was – um, you know, Exactly. With that one game which like five overtimes or yeah. something like that. Like that, That's like going – And they ended up losing that game, but – that's harkening back to your like '80s basketball, like your batter and bruise and all that kind of stuff that you're doing. Like you know, a real, you know, I think Lilla, Dame actually came out of that series with some some like some you know, yeah yeah niggling injuries and stuff like that. So yeah, that was DJ's series for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, well, it's nice to wrap. I, I think that's a good time to wrap up the pod because we've wrapped up on being like, yeah, Blaze, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, you made me you made me feel happy about being a Blazers fan. So I think that's a good enough time to call it as any. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, it's good. It's good to get back into the podcasting rhythm with the sports guy. It's like the the fifth time yep. we've revamped. We've re re come back to this one, but it's like forever, forever a thing. So 
And um, yep, I love it. Yeah, um, yeah, no, good to do it with you. Um, we'll get hopefully we'll get the the four of us on soon. But um, it's always good that we've got a a crew that can get get on there and um and chat. And I appreciate you taking the time out for it as always. So yeah, yeah, appreciate doing it. I appreciate having me. It's fun yeah, stuff. There's plenty of, plenty of sports happening in the next few weeks as well. So it's gonna be plenty of plenty of shit to talk about. Because I, I I'm not even gonna get into it now because we're finishing up. We're in a good moment, but there's plenty of things we didn't even get to. So um yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, until next time, we'll uh, the old old call sign. I was trying to remember it as I'm saying it. I was like, oh, yeah, I used to say, stay sportsgasmic. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cheers. Yeah, cheers.